Oh, man. What it's even? Clint Eastwood's dick arc. Yeah. No dudes allowed. No dudes allowed? <laughs> Don't please do his dick art. <laughs> it's a free band name. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have an intro? I mean, I was going to say, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch the Iger Sanction, but we wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yellow Kitchen Studios. Very confused as to how to start this one. Hate Watch, Great Watch. Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your co-host, Hunter Magma Fist. It's a dumb name. It's a dumb... Everybody's got a cool... Yeah, yeah but I thought it was, it was Poison Sword. Or at Botanical. Yeah. What? Okay. Hunter... What's a good What's a good plan? Digitalis? Maple? Digitalis, yeah. Maple. <laughs> it's me, Hunter Von Datura. It's a poison. Okay. Don't look at me, it's a poison. Alright, fine. I don't know. It's a good start. Allison Curare. There you go. <laughs> I'll go with William Stinging Nettles Congress. Stinging Nettles are painful and very obnoxious. Mm. Just like our guest today, Will Congleton. <laughs> what up, buddy? Yeah. And also the movie we watched. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I will explain. before. It is the Iger Sanction from 1975, starring and directed by Clint Eastwood. Before he goes on to Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> That's not true. Million Dollar Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> Three Men and a Baby is actually directed by Leonard Nimoy. Not a lot of people realize that. Yeah. I did not know that. Because it doesn't it, take place in space. It, it is, in fact, Million Dollar Baby. Right. He also directed and starred in Gran Torino, which yes. is also racist. Yeah. This is not that movie, though. This is a similar. No, I don't think there was any uh, any social commentary no. with this racist. So this is based on a book by someone who goes by the name Trevanian or something to that effect. It's a mononym de plume. Yeah, it's so it's the pen name of Rodney William Whitaker. Oh, of course. Famous author Rodney William Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah, equally well-known as Trevanian. Um, the book came out in 1972, so this was a recent adaptation. Now, now was he a mountain climber? So Clint Eastwood <laughs> is playing Dr. Jonathan Hemlock. Well, before we get into the nitty-gritty, oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually... wanted to address two things. One, the book itself, which is... I haven't read the book. I've read that it was written kind of as a pastiche of the Ian Fleming Bond novels, which is why everybody has like, it's not a symbolic name because it's, it's blunt as hell. It's everybody has a cool, what I refer to as an edgelord name. It's like a cool name. I'm, you know, as a kid, I wanted to write movies and I told my friends, I was like, yeah, come up with your own character name, something that you think suits you and whatever. And I, I would come up with names like Gordon, you know, Gordon Jefferson. I'm like, yeah, I feel like a Gordon Jefferson. And my friend's like, Evan Stone. And I'm like, that's a porn guy. Like, you just gave yourself a porn guy name. He's like, oh, how about like, and it was like, it was like that mystery science theater. I was like, I'm like, Brick Roxon. And I'm like, dude, give yourself a human fucking name. But so I read that this book was a pastiche of like Bond stuff. So all the ladies have, you know, because like Pussy Galore, not a subtle name, but at least it's not offensive. The names in this are 
they're equally as weird and and flaggy and standout-ish. But I mean, like, there's there it's we like okay, so there's a black lady. She's the main female lead in this, and her character's name is Jemima Brown. They're not trying to be subtle. No, it's, the it's, the film at least specifically makes jokes about yeah, Jemima Pancakes. Yeah, the film Pancakes. at least yeah. is meta. It's actively meta about it. Where like immediately upon meeting her and, and getting her name, Clint Eastwood's like, yeah, I'm Uncle Ben. I mean, like, and they talk about it and whatever and whatever and whatever, but it's still offensive. And there's a lot of racism bandied about. It's bandied. Again, this, oh, isn't, yeah, this isn't a message movie. They just throw it out there like, this is fun. As Trump would say, locker room talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a lighthearted romp through hating people of different colors. Yeah, it's a, light, it's a lighthearted fucking romp of ADRing fucking racist Native American shit in. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was probably the worst. It was it was the worst, because as a bunch of white people, which is who was in this room, obviously it's a limited viewpoint on racism. But I would say, at the very least, Jemima Brown is in on it as a character. Yeah, she has the most development out of any well, woman just, but, in but, this film. But she's actively aware of, like, this is a dumb name. Like, my name is dumb. It's silly, blah, blah. And, like, she, immediately they're like, oh, she's like, oh, everybody calls me Jim, like a jewel, because the way she says it is Jim. <laughs> but, like, later on, George, the Native American girl, is just, like, the target of all this fucking, like, Native American hate speech that Clint Eastwood, it's not even in the movie, Clint Eastwood added it in post-production. This will really flesh my character out as a piece of shit. <laughs> She also has zero lines. Yeah, no, she's in, in, in specifically mute. Her breasts appear at least twice, though. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. Which we'll, is four. Yeah, it's four we'll, boobs. We'll get to that. But four right. boobs, no lines. But the reason we came to this movie, so we, we the three of us had watched this movie before uh, at Will's house because <laughs> about five, four or five, four years, five years ago. ago. Um, and here's how we got to it. I like the Venture Brothers. I am also a huge dork for commentary. So if anything, any DVDs or, or Blu-rays or anything I have have commentary tracks, I will watch them. And Venture Brothers, I watch the commentary tracks. They talk about the villain in this movie who is Mr. Dragon, who we will get to. So they they talk about him in the Venture Brothers commentary track because basically every time you, you see, he's seen three times in the movie, and basically every time he's like, has new health issues. When he's introduced, it's like, a handful, he's an albino. He also has, like, no germ tolerance. He can't stand the cold, like, et cetera, et cetera. It's, like, four things. And then the next time you see him, he's actively on some kind of, like, blood-swapping dialysis-type machine. Swear to God, it looked like a frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's just a new thing. And that, that's the context that the, 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 the Venture Brothers guys brought it up in, is they were like, yeah, every time you see this guy, it's like he has a new health problem that they just threw at this actor. And we're like, yeah, 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 go, go for it. Yeah, it's just really over the top. And I mean, I guess as a commentary of Bond villains, it's kind of funny. But this movie's played too straight to be funny. Yeah. Especially yeah. as Clint Eastwood as the anchor, as your well, main character. There's no winking. Also, it's got dialogue that I think is supposed to be snappy and witty, but nobody has the, like, acting chops to pull that off. Very, very little of it works. And yeah. also, there's lots of stuff where... There should, there's a spot here. There's a crevasse in this film where there should be witty dialogue here, and there's nothing. There's like either, during the crevassing. Yeah, during the actual crevassing, the crevassier. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a mess. So that's I, how I, we that's how we first decided to watch it, and then oh, like a flower full of racism and bigotry, <laughs> it opened before us, and we we drank our beers in your rec room, Will, and we just went, holy shit, what? 
Yeah, and, honestly, I feel like a big reason why I forgot a lot of this movie was how drunk we got. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of painful to watch. It was a drunk, bad movie night. And yeah. this was, it was, this might have been the first movie we watched. So, uh, also notable in terms of, like, references of this movie and other media, the listeners now might be familiar with the TV series Archer. And in... They have the Archer Sanction. Yeah. Season 6, Episode 3, the Archer Sanction is loosely based off of this, where it's a mountaineering episode. And yeah. And you'll see some parallels. It is the basic third act of this movie in a half an hour of TV, which is that yeah. somebody on this mountain <laughs> is a spy, uh, an evil spy, bad guy spy, and we don't know who it is, and they're all of different like nationalities, so yeah. it's easier to tell them apart. Right. But that's kind of... They're like, also color-coded. Yeah, there's yeah. some color-coding in this. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's great. It's like a fucking like a Beatles video from like Help. <laughs> like It's just like they'd be like, oh, we've got to go up and go skiing now. All right. And then it's just like you, it's just like bright color, orange and yellow, blue and green, and then just be goofing around like eight days a week. But that doesn't happen. In fact, it's just, it's just Clint Eastwood stoically filming mountain climbing. Oh, dude, it's this is a weird fucking movie. Yeah. So we so. start off in is it Zurich. Is that where? I don't know. I have there's, no idea. There's not Europe. A, yeah, there's not a title card. <laughs> Europe. It's Europe. There's canals, I think. Or a river. Uh, we see a gentleman in like some kind of beer garden or pub, yeah. and he walks across the bridge, and he gets a piece of yeah, the first, from a guy. The first shot is of this spy. Spoilers, he's a spy drinking, as though Clint Eastwood knew <laughs> drinking's gonna be very important to your enjoyment of this film. He pulls an empty chair out on stage and he just talks to it. He's like, to really, it's like inside the actor's studio, but James Lipton's like, I'm not coming. <laughs> I just can't, I can't make it. It's my, it's my, my niece's quinceanera. Uh, and former pin, I think. <laughs> what? No, true story. That cannot be true. Oh my God. George Lipton had a lot of careers before James that. Lipton, host of Inside the Actor's Studio, is a former pin. Go on. I just want to... What are you Googling? James Lipton pimp history. I I don't know if I should do James Lipton pimp or James Lipton life. James Lipton pimp life. Search James Pimpton. James Pimpton. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we see this spy gentleman who we will learn later is... uh, That's Uh, Wormwood. Yeah, it's Wormwood, uh, a.k.a. Henri... Henri, who gives a shit? Henri Bach. Oh, I wonder if he was drinking a double buck. Oh? Nah, probably not too clever. (laughs) Haha, beer joke. He gets a piece of gum from a vagrant. It was be specific. Yeah, the oh, Zuka yeah. Joe from what looks to be like Terry Gilliam in a in a hobo <laughs> character from Monty Python. But yeah, uh, then he goes back to his um, his flat. And he opens the gum up, and inside, instead of a delightful Bazooka Joe riddle, is microfilm with uh, what we'll find out later is germ warfare information on it yeah. or something. Doesn't matter. Which none we'll of this find matters. find out even later is fake. Yeah, none of this yeah. matters. It's all double bluffs and horseshit. Yeah, well, espionage, man. But I will say, and, and Will, you noted this while we were watching it, the music's good. The score in the very yeah. beginning yeah. is like, it's a lot, it's very cool. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel like you're settling in for something like uh, uh, The Sting or something. Like, it's a fun, like, all right, cool, we're getting some spy shit. Yeah, well, but it's, 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 John Williams, it's John Williams, and it's his only score that he's ever done for a spy movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah? It is good. Uh, I watched a movie for what I guess would be the beta test of this podcast with um, our friend Carter. It also was scored by John Williams. It's uh, yes. Brian De Palma's The Fury. And I was very, equally as impressed with that, but this is better. It's not as maudlin or, or over-emotive. It's very, like... No, but it's, it's lighthearted considering how, like, 
serious. It's yeah. It's a. It's a. Well, it's. I don't think it's supposed to be serious, but I think Eastwood takes it seriously. Yeah. Not that that's wrong. It's just his interpretation. But like, if it's written as a parody, there's something to be said about playing it all straight. But he kind of plays it too straight. I don't know. And and that means that none of the racism comes off as like lambasting sexism or racism or anything inherent in James Bond. It just comes off as racism. Right. It's like, oh, you don't get on doing this character of really racist guy. It's like, no, no, no. There's no context you're just racist <laughs> and it therefore doesn't work also the third act is boring but we'll get there depends on whether or not you like rock climbing which no nobody likes rock climbing <laughs> enough <laughs> nobody likes rock climbing enough to just watch Clint Eastwood do it and be like great movie yeah he really climbed that it was good yeah anyway I'm sorry. so yeah Wormwood immediately gets into a knife fight and then is assassinated by an intruder into his flat it's got weird angles man like yeah, it's very it's, close I couldn't tell and, if that was necessity because like it seemed well, like a small apartment it or... also looks like they're not great at stage fighting no it's real jerk yeah, it's real bad. Yeah. Um, I'm like, again, I, is this uh, Eastwood's first directorial oh, effort? Um, I meant to look it up, but we finished watching this and pretty much immediately dove into recording. Ah, so. It was James Lipton. Sorry. He ran a bordello in Paris. Good for him. Oh, See, God. that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, they didn't exploit women. They represented them like agents. Yeah, that makes sense. And they took a cut. It was a great year of my life. Sounds All good. Right. When uh, this airs, we'll post the link in our uh, social media so you guys yeah. can read the article if you'd like as well. Uh, this was Clint Eastwood's fourth uh, major movie. Okay. Fifth period. Can you lay a movie? Because he did a, a sh- documentary short. Okay. But so the first one was Play Misty for me. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't actually seen that, but the Blu-ray collection that I got to get a copy of Iger Sanction has it, so yes. I will be watching it. Um, and then uh, High Plains Drifter. Oh. And then Breezy. And then know. it's the Irish. I don't know Breezy. High Plains Drifter, I didn't realize he directed. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so I was going to say, like, I'm willing to give some stuff a pass because, yeah, there's some wonky direction in this. And again, it may be necessity. It may just be inexperience. Like, these are hand-to-hand knife fight things. I don't know how much of that comes up in the other movies on that list, but, like, yeah, know, I, close quarters, too. You know, I don't know. To be wrong. fair, a lot of the high-definition resolution also played tricks with your... Uh, perspective. A yeah, bit. the Blu-ray is uh, cleaned up and, and everything. Will, you pointed out, you said it looked a little bit like video at some mm-hmm. points, which, yeah. But there is still noticeably one shot that's just entirely out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> they made it into both versions of the movie. It's still in there. Yeah. Uh, that made me laugh. That's in my notes. Anyway, knife fight. Wormwood dies. Yeah, he gets cut across the throat. Um, you hear somebody off screen say something like, did we really have to kill him? Then we cut Take to, your word for it. Then we cut to Clint Eastwood as Dr. John, John Hemlock. Okay, so this is where I wanted to point out that Wormwood's name, Agent Wormwood, is a pseudonym. It's a nom de spy. But John Hemlock, which Wormwood and Hemlock, both poisons, which is why we did that dumb intro thing about poison names. And nettles. And nettles. <laughs> is his real name? Yeah, that's what he's teaching under. Honestly, that's why I asked when this movie came out. Because yeah. I, at first I thought, like, is this an Indiana Jones parody or something? Because, yeah, he's, he's... Yeah, I'm waiting for her to blink and it says, like, I love you on her eyelids. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an art history teacher and a lot of the girls in the front row are adjusting themselves. And oh, it's yeah. it's very, yeah. When I teach this class, I have to wear waders. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. Ah. Uh... I'm going to be doing this all night. I said this yeah. earlier. My fucking voice is going to be gone tomorrow because all night I'm just going to be growling really offensive things. 
that is the uh, introduction to the first ass slapping scene too. Yes, yes, because there yeah, are there's a lot of <laughs> casual fucking harassment in this. Oh movie. yeah, yes, yeah. But she says she yeah. writes. I in also her, I also forgot exactly how sexist this movie yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. She write the the yeah. student in his class writes in her in her notebook or on her you know paper or whatever. He could climb all over me. Which, if you're going to write something that I, as an audience member, am supposed to read in a theater or whatever, it should be really legible. And, like, this chick yeah, has just, like, got, scrawled it. She's got fucking doctor handwriting. There's person. two things written in this movie where I was like, what is that say? And, like, at least this, I forget what the second one was, but somebody actually says it verbally. And I was crap. like, oh, right. It was crap, yeah, because I was like, core lap. <laughs> o- o- Ovalarp. What? Yeah. And then, yeah, that's what it is. Caraval. Caravo. Luckily, everything else is typed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. None of it matters. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, so this girl like goes, you know, to his office and she's like, I'm really worried about my grade. I would do anything. I have a B. I have, a B, I have to maintain my B average. Yeah. Keep yeah, mind. Her if she lives alone and she's like, no, my roommate's away. And he goes. She's like, well, my roommate's out of town for a week. And he's like, mm-hmm. that's great. Go home and study your hot, tight little ass. <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> no, honestly, it's really close. It was yeah, like, go home, something like hit study the books your little and ass study your little ass off. And, and then, then he smacks her on the butt. Her Pat for good luck. One yeah. to grow on, as the kids that punched me on my birthday in school would say. They did that to you guys too, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, it wasn't just me. No, yeah. I was the subject of much ridicule and ire in school. Didn't really happen to me in school. My brother and I would do it to each other every single year. Oh, good. It's like, like I was. It's like I was yeah. siblings with a whole bunch of people I don't yeah. like. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. I just want to point out though that um, yes, Clint Eastwood looks like Clint Eastwood in this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. He still looks like he is ancient. Uh, yeah. This is nice. yeah. He spent all those all those cowboy years in direct sunlight. Yeah. He is leather bound. <laughs> Like the books he theoretically teaches out of. No, I mean, it is a younger Clint Eastwood. Yeah. They're also talking about, like, how he's a young man in this. And I was like, I like that he won't fuck her, the student. Yeah. I'm not, he says a line to Pope. Pope's in his office. Pope is the number not two. Not the Pope. Not the Pope. Not Il Papa. But a guy who goes by Pope. Because everybody has names in this. Big names. He tells so yeah. Pope's in his office. Hemlock tells Pope like I I, I don't take advantage of students or drunks, which is like what yeah. a weird code well, you have. Yeah. Pope basically asks him why he wasn't gonna go fuck. You're not gonna, you're not gonna fuck that underage girl. He uses some insane <laughs> slang that I didn't even catch. Like yeah, I couldn't write it down. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like you're not gonna bang that uh that smoky turnip. You're like what? Yeah. But I it's think, in there. I think Quim, but I don't know. There's another word in that sentence yeah. that I couldn't. I don't know. Whatever. I don't. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Um. What? Glorpy Quim medicine. What? It, <laughs> ha ha ha. ha. Uh, Cancelled. Uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. And 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 then uh, Eastwood's line is basically that he doesn't go for. Doesn't take advantage of uh, students or drunks. That's what yeah. he says. We are considering he's drinking almost the entire movie. Wild turkey, well, all the rocks. He can be drunk, I'm but... Fu- yeah, I take advantage of myself. Yeah. And I'm a student of life. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I would love to see, like, spiritually woke Clint Eastwood <laughs> in this movie. Namaste. <laughs> like, that's what I want in this movie. Like, That'd be something, man. <laughs> and played straight like this. Pope tells so him Pope Dragon says, wants... Mr. Dragon wants yeah. you for a job. Eastwood's like, I'm retired. Yeah, he's doing, I don't do that anymore. I'm retired. I'm yeah. a retired super spy. 
at apparently like maybe my early 40s. Yeah, he also does a bad line read around there where There's, he calls him buddy and he's like, don't call me buddy, pal or sweetheart. <laughs> but that's the thing is that it's, the line I believe is supposed to be don't call me buddy, pal or sweetheart, but he does too long of a pause. Oh. So it sounds like he's suggesting that he calls him pal or sweetheart. Yeah, that's what I thought <laughs> yeah, it was. And no, I thought that's no, kind of fun. No, a minute later he Don't gets, call me buddy. It's either pal or sweetheart. He doesn't and I was say, like, that's kind of like, yeah. He doesn't say it's that's either. There's just macho. a pause. But I think it's just because the pause wasn't supposed to be in there. <laughs> that, that is true. Because yeah. later on in the movie, Pope calls him sweetheart. And he kicks the shit out of him. Yeah. 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 He does spray himself with Banaka first. And he's like, spray. And then he's like, is that right, sweetheart? I'm like, they're going to make out. I mean, it is the Alps. <laughs> Altitude. It's, it's romantic. It's beautiful. beautiful. It's a natural it's vista. very beautiful. The hills are alive. <laughs> The hills are what I call my penis. <laughs> I was going to say, the hills are alive in my pants. Like, right after that, like, after he kicks Pope out of his office, he gets a note that uh, Pizarro, that he, or Pizarro? Yeah, it's a Pizarro, wants... yeah. I don't know how to, I, no, I'm not, they I'm not say familiar. Pizarro. Okay. I'm not familiar with this not artist. Not the conquistador, but the artist. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I want to say, there is a good line in this scene. Oh, Honestly, okay. a good line. Sorry. He throws Pope out of his office and he's like, don't forget your trench coat. How will anybody recognize you without your disguise? And I was like, that's kind of a good line. Yeah. It would work in a Bond movie. Yeah. So, so after that. Well, yeah. So he gets the note about the uh, painting being on the market and that it's like $20,000. Yeah. yeah. And then he immediately gets a phone call from Dry. It's very like spy garbage. Yeah. It's all the spy things. It's, yeah. You sent your henchman to tell me that you want to meet me, and I threw him out, and then you sent me a letter, and it says the same thing, and then you called was me. It, was it from Dragon? The letter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Oh. It may have been, like, left there okay. by Pope. Okay. Yeah. Also, kind of remind me of um, Bojack Horseman when uh, the short guy from Princess Bride, who always says inconceivable. Wallace Shawn. Yeah, Wallace Shawn, to get him to agree to be in, like, the Mr. Peanut Butter's Hollywood heist. It's because he's addicted to to Rothko's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Whatever. He's got a Rothko problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this it's is kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Wow, I it's wonder if that's like... a reference to this. Probably not, but who the, who fuck, the fuck knows? knows? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that's the point is that uh, the fucking, what do they call it again? The Pizarro. Pizarro, yeah. Pizarro, Pizarro. Uh, painting that he wants. Or... Yeah. Where it's like, I don't know, girls in a glen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I I, I know that. a little about art, but not. Yeah. I'm familiar with the name, but I wouldn't be able to pick a painting out of the lineup from, yeah. from Pizarro. I mean, yeah. he did have an El Greco in his fucking room. Well, well, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. So he decides he's going to take this meeting with Mr. Dragon because uh, art, yeah. I guess. And so he goes, and my favorite thing. Well, Pope's out front like some kind of nightmare version of Money Penny. <laughs> yeah, looking like swollen up, swollen up Michael Caine. <laughs> he's got that weird your grandmother's perm that Michael Caine has kind of throughout most of the seventies, and he's although I mean honestly like seventy five. He's not so bad early in the movie, and then by the third act, he turns it up to eleven. It's like they picked a different act almost yeah. like if you were like oh no it's played by two different guys i would have been like oh okay that makes sense mm-hmm. but yeah so they they exchange unpleasantries for a minute yeah. and then some nurse comes out her name is mrs cerebus mm-hmm. because we all have cool names yeah uh <sighs> for, for those of you who don't get that reference cerebus was the three-headed dog that guarded hades as the, the gatekeeper to hades the underworld so yeah she she rolls out, looking about as pleasant as Nurse Ratchet from uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. Yeah. 
It basically kind of info dumps that Mr. Dragon is an anemic albino with temperature sensitivity and photosensitivity. He and can't stand light or cold or germs. Yeah, and a compromised immune system. Oh, my Lord. But, but Dragon deserves it because, as we will find out later... He is a bit of a Nazi. <laughs> it's an eine kleine, tiny Nazi. <laughs> um, Some great American heroes were. Uh, but we wouldn't have gotten to the moon without uh, Werner von Braun, who was a super-duper Nazi. Not the worst of the Nazis, but definitely one. And that's, uh, I mean, just a little bit is enough, really. Yeah, just, no. Just, just a dab will do you when it comes to Nazi. Yeah, as I've heard other people say about many things, Nazis is a strong spice. <laughs> and if you put too much of it in your food, it's all going to taste like Nazis. <laughs> you could argue, one could argue, rightfully so, and I don't care, come at me Nazis, that Dragon's health problems are deserved because he is Ina Klein, a tiny Nazi. <laughs> We'll find that out later. Yeah. Now, this is where this is the point in the movie where we learn that um, Clint Eastwood has uh, gonorrhea and syphilis. <sighs> yes. Uh... He says it as though it's a joke. We can all tell it's not. <laughs> so Dragon's office is red lights and like a, it's a cool like purple map of the earth because like I don't know I don't even know it's kind of a, you know Bond villain-esque like that's you yeah know. my thing is he's always in almost completely darkness with a red light and yeah. I'm thinking like did the actor just not want to wear white albino makeup because you can't really tell if he's albino under those lights you can tell that he's got two fucking big old white eye contacts in <laughs> yep. that are pointing slightly different directions in most of his fucking scenes yep. where I was like dude he looks like a goddamn googly eye. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. He's cockeyed too. Whatever. Yeah, I'm surprised that she's not like Andy's boss-eyed. <laughs> I was going to say, as the British say, boss-eyed. Yeah. And he's boss-eyed as well. You know that. And he's got polydactyly and he's got an inverted tailbone. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> yeah, I think it would just be like, like you have to poop around it. <laughs> Shitting question mark. Yeah. Uh, Inverted tailbone. It's probably a term for that. Though. I thought your tailbone actually angles out. Doesn't angle in? Uh, yeah, that's that's the point. If we no, it angles out. If yes. it was inverted, it would angle in, and then you would have to poop around it. Yeah, because you'd have a bone oh. poking in here. Good lord, the Riddler was here. Oh my god, the Riddler shit! <laughs> How come the Riddler never did? <laughs> really, like seriously? What left question marks and poop? Yeah, left a shit question mark like never once. No iteration of the Riddler was ever like, I've done a crime. I wasn't yeah. planning on it, but I committed <laughs> a crime. Honestly. Oh, I have to leave my calling card. I don't have my markers, my glow-in-the-dark paint, none of my shit. Oh, what do I... I did have a big lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's our t-shirt design for this episode. It's like, <laughs> poop question mark. It's just says the Riddler was here. Holy shit, Batman. <laughs> Wouldn't it be what the shit? <laughs> no, because it's, it's a question mark. Yeah, that's but it's Robin. Robin. He always said holy whatever, Batman. Ah, that's true. Yeah, that's ah. the bit. That was the joke. It's funnier now. <laughs> oh. We're cutting this out. <laughs> As always, if you hear me say we're cutting this out, that means we didn't cut it out and drink. Dragon gives him. So basically, the mission he has, the dragon has for Hemlock is. He's got to kill a guy. Sanction he's got to kill him. two guys, but he says he's only going to kill one, one guy. Yeah. Sanction him. Yeah, and there's this whole thing of like, call it whatever you want, you know, sanction. and Wet work, yeah. rubbing him out. But yeah, the point is that, yeah, he's hiring Sanction. him to kill a guy. Call it whatever you want. That's what the job is. 
But the movie is called The Iger Sanction. So let's stick to Sanction. That's because that's what they've settled on to discuss yeah. this in. But that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so what? who's the guy? There's two guys that uh, were the ones that offed Wormwood who, yeah. who saw this happen. Henri they Bach. they know where one is and he's in Zurich. There's another one. They don't know his whereabouts, but they're working on finding okay, him. Okay, that's what it and is. And they, they want Hemlock Clint Eastwood to kill them both. And he says he doesn't want to because he's retired and he's just going to do the one and Dragon kind of pulls this, eh, do the first one and we'll see how you feel kind of thing. But he also says he'll sweeten the pot. I think it's this one. It might be the second meeting. Yeah. But well, he says he'll sweeten the pot with Miles Mello. No. Yeah, no, is that's, that the, second that's meeting? the second meeting. Oh, okay. This this meeting, you know, is just... Well, so first off, also, they bring up... Oh, uh, right, it's Kruger. Yeah. That's who it is. The, so they bring up... Yeah. They bring up that Hemlock's got uh, this painting collection. 21 paintings. That's, yeah, 21 um, masterpieces. Private that, fuck lounge. That, yeah, that yeah, the IRS knows nothing about. And so Dragon kind of threatens him mm. about telling the IRS. Yeah. And so with this... You know, he's going to do one for $20,000, which we looked up $20,000 in... I did a little research, and $20,000 in 1975 would be about 95 k in today's money. And then also, also, he wants a letter from the IRS stating that they know about his paintings and that they're cool with him having it, and that they know why he has it despite him being on a teacher's salary. And that they're not tax... Uh... Yeah liable or whatever he yeah. doesn't have to pay yeah. for him yeah. they're so not basically, ever going to take them or basically he wants immunity for his fucking paintings and also 95k which in 75 was 20k but. and the reason why Dragon would be able to do that is because we are led to believe that for some reason this crazy albino reptile he, man hemophiliac <laughs> fucking half a ghost on his father's <laughs> side or whatever his fucking problems is, are is, is the uh, uh, government representative for this spy organization yeah, the head of this yeah. like spy organization. He's Werner von Braun, but for spies instead of rockets. But yeah, so uh, he fucks off to Zurich to go kill this guy and tries to get in through the front door, claiming that he has floss. Floss. Uh, delivery. F- uh, delivery for the man next door. Mm. Uh, he has he a big put, box of floss. He opens a bag to deliver this floss. It's sitting there like this is part of his spy shit. It's like they did a dead drop. They left this for him to pick up. So it's a box of like floss and a hat <laughs> he puts the hat on he starts talking like this i have a delivery for mr johnson next door i've got all this floss uh yes he puts on quite a convincing homosexual accent boy howdy <laughs> is it convincing <laughs> it's not uh and the guy's like i don't give a shit <laughs> i don't give a shit about floss take a floss and fuck off He's like, all right, I guess I'll go. Yeah, he does. He calls him Cupcake. Yeah. He's like, all right, I guess I'll go. So he goes around back, shimmies up a drain pipe. Climbs a drain pipe like like a fucking monkey. But first puts uh, his gun in a bag in his pants. Yeah, his gun in a plastic bag and shoves it down the front of his pants and climbs into the office window. Takes the bag out of his pants, the gun out of his bag. It's a tiny little Yeah, it's fucking... like a Saturday night special. Yeah. It's like something that could fit in your, like, jeans pocket. Also right around here is when Hunter goes, oh, it's Knife Guy. Yeah, I was like, oh. Because, yeah, the guy that he's sanctioning is the guy with the switchblade from the beginning, not the guy in the hallway going, did we have to kill him? Yep, and we got our second knife fight, and it's a dumb... So, Clint Eastwood is a bad spy. Yeah. Because he... So, the, the office door these two men are meeting in is like a sliding door situation. So he cracks it enough to see in, and he cracks it a little more to put his hand through holding the gun. But, like, he puts his whole hand out, and the guy at the desk, because one man is at a desk, the other man is facing the desk, the guy at the desk sees it and goes, like, look out. 
The other guy turns around. Clint Eastwood manages to shoot him, but the guy at the desk throws a lamp and disarms Clint Eastwood, who then just sort of lays on the ground trying to reach his gun and does no actual, like... Opening of doors? No, he doesn't try to open doors. He doesn't try to crawl or move at all. He's just like, I can get it. And it turns into a knife fight. Well, a rattan fight, as I like to call it. It is a rattan fight. Mm -hmm. And it's not good it's it's fine i mean the, the i think it, i think it was a little better than the opening yeah scuffle it's less cramped yeah and it ends up with the knife guy going out a window where he he falls out a window he gets sort of shoulder checked out this window and then he cuts outside and he's like launched out from a fucking like spring-loaded chair <laughs> yeah. like he clears like 30 feet out of that window it's ridiculous yeah. And he basically, like, takes the header from, like, the fourth or fifth floor. Yeah, whatever. And falls onto a, a awning. Something. He's yeah. dead. Uh, Clint Eastwood's weapon of choice, the rattan chair, as I was mentioning. Yeah. There was no damage to the chair. No. Just to uh, satisfy you. He's like, as an art dealer, I appreciate this craftsmanship. <laughs> I should steal it. But Keep yeah. it in my secret art garage. That's full of art. So... And used condoms. <laughs> That's where I go to close the deal, <laughs> which is true. I'm working on my own little Pollock project. <laughs> <laughs> That'll come up later. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> now he's on the plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's on a plane. He's looking at an art book. He really largely writes crap. It looks like any number of words that aren't quite that. And then we hear a, a woman go, crap. <laughs> he says, what? She says, yeah. And he says, you started this conversation, and I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Did somebody end it? It's the worst, yeah. it's the worst they, they're trying, first draft banter. Yeah, they're trying to do some witty banter, and it's not being well delivered on either end, so it's just kind of It's not, it's not even that it's well delivered. I don't think anybody could deliver this in a way that would be entertaining. It's yeah, just, honestly, it just seemed like he was giving her a hard time. Yeah. Because she was like, no, I said crap as in a question, as in questioning what you were writing. Right, I, like, I saw over your shoulder that <laughs> you wrote crap on the page of a book. And I was like, why would you fucking do that, you goddamn monster? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm reviewing this book, which I guess is another job he does. He's a spy, he's an art teacher, and apparently a book reviewer. Oh, academia. It's not. It's not real. He's not really reviewing it. He's just being a dick. He's just defacing property. Yeah. He probably took it out of the rattan chair fight's office. Maybe it's Pope's art book. He did have a lot of books. <laughs> he, he hates that guy. The inside front cover just says Pope smells. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it back to him for Christmas. <laughs> I drew a bunch of dicks in it. <laughs> Yeah, and so I wrote Metallica rules. <laughs> so, like we mentioned before, her name is Jemima, and he goes, "And I'm Uncle Ben." Presumably, meaning Spider Man's yeah. uncle. <laughs> yeah, um, I was actually mean, surprised like, nobody was smoking on this flight either. Yeah, it's 1975. I'm surprised they weren't fucking hitting a hookah. <laughs> there was room to sit though, so that was interesting. Yeah, you pointed out it's a much, much roomier, more comfortable flight. It doesn't matter what class he's supposed to be in. Yeah, that's the thing. She jokes about uh, being a plane hijacker in drag, and we're like, oh yeah, it's 1975, so you can still joke about that oh, without yeah, those, anybody like those jokes were good for you. another like yeah. 20 years. Yeah. They're they're making jokes that are really playing up her race and stuff. Like yeah. she's like, Yeah, my mom really liked uh ethnic sounding stuff, so that's why her name's Jemima Brown or whatever. Yeah. And then also like she knows his name and it's a gift from the dark continent. Oh, oh yeah. 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 He's like, How the fuck do you know my name? Yeah, and she's and like he's definitely like she's just like, about to kill her. <laughs> yeah. He's a shitty spy. yeah, and she's like, it's a gift from the dark continent. 
And I, was and like, I looked you. up your name on the passenger's manifest. She's like, yeah, I see someone, and I just look up their fucking name, you idiot. I'm a stewardess. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, like, some of her lines are kind of snappy rejoinders. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just... the dialogue's not terrible in this, but yeah. it's all over the place. Yes. There's good dialogue, there's bad dialogue, and then there's spots where there should be dialogue, there's none, and there's spots where there definitely should not be dialogue, they added dialogue to. Cool, and also very few bits of it are well-delivered. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially by fair, Clint Eastwood. No, but to be fair, like, the spy genre, you can kind of just push a lot of those lines across. It, they don't always, like, demand a lot of finesse. Yeah. She's probably the best performance in this. I don't think Clement Eastwood is it's, terrible, okay. but he's not good. So so I would say it's George Kinney and then... George Kennedy, yeah. Or, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, George Kennedy, thank God, shows up in this movie later. Thank God for George Kennedy. George Kennedy, yeah, saunters into this movie, like, acting, like John fucking Lovitz. Just like, <laughs> I'm going to show you what character actors do. And it's a goddamn blessing. It is a cool drink of water in what is otherwise a parched desert of boredom. That's coming up. It is coming up. <laughs> it's not, we're not there yet. That's act two. Easily the best performance of this. Yeah, and Boy, then... Uh... But she's the best, but he's a caricature almost. Especially the first half of his appearance. But yeah, what is uh, Jemima Brown's, what's the actress's name? Because she's I'm... actually not bad. There's a couple of times, which I don't think it's her fault. It's the take they decide to go with. But there are times where she'll start talking it pause a little in the middle of a thing and they left it in and I'm like, dude, just yeah. do another take, yeah. Clint. Uh, it's Vanetta McGee. Vanetta McGee. Yeah, she wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. No, I didn't know her from anything else. She's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And she's like very striking. She has like very nice eyes, big eyes and like, yeah. She doesn't look like, you know, every other, like, chick in this movie. There's a lot of disposable-looking girls in this movie. Like Ms. Buns. Ms. Buns, yeah. Could literally be anybody. And that fucking one weird extra in the back that's just like, I'm definitely on screen right now. <laughs> oh, look at, oh, it's sunny. Yeah, oh, uh, Clint didn't cut that shit. <laughs> it looks like she was in a lot of like uh, black exploitation movies. Yeah, and I, stuff. Might, I might look and her up because she's not bad. She also says his critique of what he says is his critique of the book, and the reason he wrote crap is it involves involuted style. And I was like, involuted, not convoluted. That's what he said, and she repeats it because I was like, I didn't hear that right. And she's like, involuted style, and I thought he was gonna be like, it's a word I made up. I'm also a word inventor. I've many, I wear many hats. <laughs> But no, he says involuted, she says involuted, and I was like, invalidated? Convoluted? I'd never heard the word involuted. Is it real? Is it a word? <laughs> yeah, uh, when I Googled yeah, it, it's it. just bringing up stuff about the Iger sanction. No, involuted. Involu- Complicated. Well, obtruse. Yeah. Huh. All right. Interesting. Um, but this is when she makes a point to say, like, people call me Jim. Like the jewel. And I was like, oh, good. Because that needed clarification because yeah. of your slight accent. Yet another bad line read. They did yeah. have accent coaches on the film, too. Really? Yeah. Part of the credits. Hmm. I didn't, like, I didn't notice talk that. Talk like me. <laughs> I'm Jemima Brown. Yeah, she should have been like, <laughs> hey, how's it going? I'm Jemima It just turns into Batman v Superman. <laughs> I'm Batman. Oh, I'm Superman. I don't trust you. Oh, we're going to be friends now. Is your mom's name Martha? My mom's name's Martha. Oh, my mom's name's Martha, too. Oh, we got Martha's. Oh, that's great. We're friends now. Let's stop Darkseid. Hey, it's me. I'm Darkseid. Everybody. <laughs> that's the best version of that movie that's ever been. It's also <laughs> by far the shortest. You're welcome. I want to hear the Snyder cut of Hunter doing the impressions. <laughs> it's way better. 
so yeah, they flirt on the plane. Uh, she, she picks him up in a in a, in cab. a taxi. Yeah, and the taxi. There's a scene that does not matter where the taxi driver's like, "I shouldn't really be picking up too fast." And he's like, "Hey, we're gonna talk about the division of labor. You do the driving, and we'll do the talking." And the guy just goes, "Yeah, okay." I was like, "What the fuck was the point of that scene?" It's just Clint Eastwood's like, "I have that scene where I'm a badass in a couple of minutes." <laughs> Like, I just, what was the point of it? Because then it just cuts back to his cabin. All the dialogue they had in the cab could have been at the cabin. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Cab, cabin. Cab, cabin. Cab, cabin. That's probably, the scene was supposed to take place in the cabin, and he wrote it on the whiteboard, and somebody accidentally smudged out the I in the end. He's like, I guess it's a cab scene today. They have dinner, and he We don't see it. They just cut, the door opens, and they come outside, and she's like, those are great steaks. And he's like, yeah, come out to the shed i have away from my house proper which is like the last thing a lot of people hear it was the lie yeah he's come see my lime pit yeah 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 and it's like again like oh good you're gonna joke about murdering this woman how charming (laughs) yeah it's only charming if it's not true it's a much better movie if he's also on top of being an art teacher and a retired spy and stolen art collector. He's also a fucking serial. Oh, oh, if this was oh. like a Fight Club rip where he was just another person that's or fucking Silence the Lambs. Thankfully, this. Can <laughs> you imagine Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood with his dick tucked back to him? The Would You Fuck Me dance. Oh, dude, so good, so creepy. Definitely not listening to Goodbye Horses. I don't know if he would even fuck him. Would you fuck me? I wouldn't, because we're both men. (laughs) (laughs) That's icky. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, this little construction by his house. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, it's just a little gallery. It's a spiral staircase to a bunker. He's filled with all his stolen art. So, two points. First is, yes. he doesn't necessarily steal it himself. He just buys art on the black market. I guess. Okay, so there's With that. money he gets from so it's, people. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's illicitly bought, but, like, he's, so he's not stealing it. He's killing people to afford stealing it, which is worse. So, it's a real but, Johnny Cochran line you're drawing in the sand. But, but, I just wanted to point that out. He's not an art thief. He's a murderer. Whatever he is, he's yeah. not an art he's, thief. He's not My an, client. He's not an art thief. He's a murderer that appreciates art. My client has never stolen art in his life. He has ended the lives of many people to pay for art that other people have stolen. Yes, exactly. And I ask you, is that the same? <laughs> if it is not, he must go free. Honestly, if all they're charging him with is art theft, yeah. then yeah, totally that'll get him off. Except then they might charge him for murder. Yeah. If they can figure out who he killed. Depends on how good of a spy he is. If he was, he'd be cool. <laughs> we know he killed this man because he wrote crap on the floor. <laughs> that was a poop question. Mark. But other thing is he might not be showing her the art for her. He might be showing her the art for him. This is yeah. true. Well, yes, because like yeah, said, yeah, he's got this kick-ass art collection that nobody can know about except for the people in like his covert circles. And so it's not like he's like able to really show it off to too many people. So it just might be him going like, look at all this amazing art I have. Aren't I amazing? Not to get her to sleep with him, but just because he wants to feel amazing. Cause he well, has... I mean, I was saying that it's probably his own personal kink. Like, yeah. He needs to look at an El Greco to get up. So This Cezanne turns me on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let's look at this Picasso while I... What? <laughs> um, I need this Matisse for my release. <laughs> 
Best one yet. There you go. You Thank you. Win. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, he's like, yeah, just stand right here. She's like, you're not even looking at me. He's like, shut up. <laughs> he's just staring over her shoulder. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. She's Look like, at those brush strokes. Yeah. Whoa. I own all of this. <laughs> oh, my God. She's like, are you done? <laughs> he's like, you're still here. <laughs> Yeah, so this part doesn't actually happen. <laughs> I do like we had to specify because honestly, if you're following along, you can't be sure. Honest, honestly, yeah, like might might as well have been like fucking her in the art room. I thought he was. I don't know. No, Maybe they, they wake were... up in the bed in the house proper. Well, no, like... he's in the. Well, okay, okay. so there's a th- there is a scene where they fuck. It doesn't feature no, any. No, it's art, weird. But it's... it is weirdly like he's like I'm an artist. God damn it. It's it's overlapped like half you know uh, uh, what do you call yeah, it? There's a lot of, like superimposed. Yeah, there's a lot of fading and stuff, and it's superimposed footage at, like yeah. two at a time of just like like flesh on flesh, like hands and like gripping her and undressing her. They're wearing kimonos that are definitely stolen yeah. also from somebody it's, killed. It's, it's like if H.P. Lovecraft were to direct a porno. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're looking at it and your brain can almost make sense of what it's seeing, but at the same time, you're going to lose your mind. It makes about as much sense as when you used to watch the Scrambled Skinamax channels. Yes. Yeah. It makes about as much sense that's visually. It's kind of like act. that, except yeah. that it's supposed to be artsy and not just bad. Yeah, it's definitely, he's like, this is my director's touch. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, he wakes up in bed alone. She calls, calls him. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, there's coffee on. Also, whatever she calls him, but Dragon. Mr. Dragon. Does she say be... Mr. Dragon? I think she calls him Mr. I think at some point, though, she refers to him as like, Oh, it's at the end. She yeah. calls him Mr. Old Pink Eyes or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so she's like, Mr. Dragon wants you to take this job. And he's like, you only had sex with me because you worked for him. And she's like, what can I say? Yeah. And I think, it. well, we also see that she stole his money. Yeah. Like the, oh, the 20K yeah. that he got for killing a uh, knife guy is and gone. Also his letter for the IRS. Oh, Probably yeah. the more important of the two. Yeah. 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 That's his... right. He had, I guess he had stowed that in his safe, but yeah, yeah. she cracked and... the safe and took it. So he takes another meeting with Mr. Dragon. And this is the one where he finds out Wormwood is dead because it was just like, oh, he killed an agent. Yeah. And, and then, then he's like, you know, he's like, well, the agent was Wormwood. And he's like, oh, I knew him. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, no, apparently. He, he knew him when he said he was like, oh, you don't know who Wormwood was. Oh, is that right. what it was? Yeah. He was on Reebok. Yeah. yeah, and then he was like, oh, well, he was my friend. Yeah. Yeah, they were old friends, but everybody's super secret spy, so he didn't know that he was a super secret spy, because everybody's super secret. Oh, Jesus, yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they know the murderer is a mountain climber, and he's going to be climbing on the yeah, Iger the, Mountain Range. Yeah, the, the other guy that they didn't get, or whatever. The second man the second responsible sanction. for Henri's death, yeah. Yeah. So, it's the second sanction, he's a mountain climber, he's going to be yeah. climbing on the Iger Mountain Range, and he's like, you know, you're going to have to go and get in shape to be a mountain climber again. He's like, and to sweeten the deal, this is where he says, to sweeten the deal, I'll throw in Miles Mellow. Well, so it's funny, just a little bit before that, he's like, he's like, we learned from a note that he's a mountain climber. A witness said that he walks with a limp. And when Dragon's saying that, I'm thinking back to uh, playing uh, the Carmen Sandiego like, <laughs> computer game, where it's like, you know... Uh, where? In the world yeah. is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, but you remember you'd, uh, you'd play yeah. that and stuff like that, and they'd be like, oh, uh... A witness said yeah. he's left-handed. Yeah. yeah, he had red hair and liked Mexican food. Yeah. You know? It's very like that, where it's like, you know, 
Yeah, he's into mountaineering and he walks with a limp, and that's what and we got for you. Go find him. He <laughs> looked like the man with no name, and he was really racist. Ah, yeah. uh, the must be the director of the Iger Center. <laughs> Ed Star. Dragon offers him uh Miles Mello to sweeten the deal. We don't know exactly what it is yet, but Hemlock has a grudge with this Miles Mello. Yes. It's going to be climbing the Iger Mountain. There's going to be a team from a bunch of different countries. It's going to be a Frenchman, an Austrian, and a German. And an American. The American... So they arranged for the American to have an accident, or did the American just happen to have one? But there I, was a previous American. I think, they never specified the accident, so he may have just... It might just be, yeah, yeah. incidental. He may, or he may have just volunteered to... Yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah, but it's that there's going to be an American, and the American is now going to be you. So then he goes back to his cabin. Yes. And when he walks in, the painting, the, the, uh, the, uh, what is it? Pizarro. Yes. The Pizarro is just floating, <laughs> floating in the air. Well, I thought it kind of popped down like, uh, It did. It like, lowered down from the ceiling. Like the duck next to Groucho yeah. Marks. <laughs> he walked in, he's oh, like, a, he's ah, like, boys, what a long day. And, <laughs> and, just a, yeah, Groucho Marks, yeah. oh, long day. That's a magic way. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you doing in my house, you communist? Say, say the secret void and the painting comes down. And uh, But it's not Groucho Marx. No. It's Jemima Brown. Quite. Uh, and she's like, oh, hey, I don't know why I did this. That's basically what she says. She's like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have just hung this painting on wires. I've been waiting an inordinately long amount of time for you to come home. To just drop it in your face. How funny would it be if... if she did that, and he, like, startled as a spy, just punched a hole in his face. Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. That's, I fucking ruined yeah. it. Now I killed that man for nothing. Hey, Waldo. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. He, he hasn't really been that nice to her, and continues to not be nice to her throughout the rest of the movie. No, he calls her a whore, and then... Well, that, yeah, okay, so in this scene... I mean, the, the important takeaway... We get a lot of dumb yeah. information that doesn't matter. Well, the yet. important takeaway in this scene is that uh, Wormwood's uh, microfilm had uh, germ warfare stuff on yeah, it. and the Bazooka now, Joe yeah. microfilm. And now the other guys have it. He says a whole thing about, like, nobody should have uh, germ warfare. It doesn't matter that we have that they have it and we don't. They stole it from us. We shouldn't have had it in the first place or whatever. And she's like, oh, so you don't see a difference between their side and ours? He's like, I mean, I do, but shut up, whore, is basically yeah. what happens. He calls her a whore, and then she's like, do you have anything else to say to me? And he goes, I usually keep a 20 by in the bowl by the door. You might pick it up on your way out. So he calls her a whore, and then he implies she's a whore, and then she just leaves. Yeah, we also learn at this point who Miles is, though. Oh, that's... Yeah, she, yeah. so they're in she's, his office, and he's got, like... The backstory wall of photos. Yeah. So he's got a photo of him with two other guys, and one is Wormwood, and the other, yeah, the other one is Miles. He's like, yeah, and he essentially tells her, like, I got shot, and it was his fault. He set me up to be somewhere to take a bullet, and he tried to kill me. It didn't work, and I'm going to get him one of these days. And then the other photo is, like, him and another guy in mountain bullshit gear, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's my friend Ben. He's a mountain climbing expert guru, and I'm going to go study with him and get uh, get back in mountain climbing shape so I can do this Iger job. And she's like, oh, that's great. And he's like, yeah, anyway, whore, get out. Oh, also in the scene is when he tells her that Dragon is an ex-Nazi. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. when he lets slip that he's that an ex-Nazi and yeah. kind of blows her mind, which is fun. Yeah. Um, he also says, like, yeah, there's a difference. This is the there's a difference in their side and ours. And he's like, uh, he's like, you know, ours have dragons and popes. And it just sounds like fucking some crazy Lord of the Rings <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. 
It's your D&D campaign. <laughs> it's like a great, like, alternate, like, there's, you know, there's, like, alternate history books where it's like, oh, what if the Nazis won World War II? And then there's, like, steampunk, and now there's, like, diesel punk and all this shit. What if there was, like, a weird, like, niche corner of fantasy that was, like, mythical, you know, creatures, and then, like, current religious hierarchy? <laughs> but it'd be great, like... Dragons and Popes. Peter Jackson's Dragons and Popes starring Jude Law as a guest appearance as the young Pope. <laughs> he's like, get out of here. I've never seen a young Pope, so I imagine he's just like an asshole from Brooklyn. Can't believe I'm the fucking Pope over here. But Jude Law, that's he's doing that accent. He's a great actor. Come on, I'm Jude Law over here. I stay in character on set. Oh, Lord. I was in AI over here. <laughs> only this movie was filmed as a spoof yeah that it, would, it would actually be more enjoy much more enjoyable listen i get that it's i get that it's it's easy for us to like armchair quarterback this and and, and be like oh they should but like yeah you can't play something like this that's written mostly straight it's like winky totally straight because it just comes off as like tone deaf you have to in adapting it push it slightly because like maybe the word choice like maybe the writing in the books is like funnier, sillier, Ooh. you know, more irreverent than it would appear on screen, you know. Well, also, Clint Eastwood's version of comedy could just be a I string think so. of racist jokes. Yeah, I, saying, I think Clint Eastwood's version of comedy is this movie. So you know what I just actually finally read on the Wikipedia entry was this was him closing out his contract with Universal. Oh, yeah. He wasn't pleased with how they treated uh, Play Misty for Me and Breezy, and he wanted to move to Warner Brothers, and this was the last thing he did under huh. them. At the same time, for him not giving a shit, he does all of his own mountain climbing stunts in this movie and seems to have, like, done a lot of fucking work. So I don't think he actually phoned it in as much as that makes sense. I was also going to say, so like... So now I'm not sure where we're at. To contrast the, this with, like, yeah. I have a contract to fill out and I'm just going to do it. When Neil Young was trying to uh, finish out his contract with, I, I want to say RCA Records, but don't hold me to that. He did uh, Transfusion, which is his really fucking weird album from that era that incorporates a lot of, like, synth and video game mm -hmm. sounds. That's really experimental for Neil Young, a folk rock singer, and pretty fucking good. Yeah. He was just like, well, I just want to finish out my contract, so I'm going to do something I want to do that's weird, because fuck them, they can't tell me I can't. And he took a chance, whereas Clint Eastwood was like, hey, wait till you see the dog. <laughs> and that's basically what we're getting to now. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, to what Allison was saying, like, it's questionable because the Iger sanction takes place a good chunk of the movie on the north phase of the Iger. Yeah, it's the whole third act. Yeah. Why would he go through all that bullshit if it was just his, th if a th throwaway run? Right. Yeah, so I agree. And yeah, why would yeah. he, I do all my climbing stunts and two, an two people were, dangerous thing. Yeah. two people were injured or murdered, not murdered. No, okay. <laughs> they were murdered by face. <laughs> Two, uh, during the filming of this movie, uh, one climber was killed and two more people were injured oh, okay. during the, the climbing sequences. Yeah, so this, this doesn't seem like the kind of thing where you're like, oh, just... I let me uh, just hammer this out. Yeah, to paraphrase Eric Idle on more of the Monty Python songs, this is something I, I tossed off recently to cut a bill. Like, <laughs> so that's the thing, too, is they were actually on uh, the Iger Mountain mm -hmm. when they yeah, were yeah. filming this. Yeah, it's filming so on location, and the, the location shots are gorgeous. Yes. There's a lot, we'll get to it, but there's a lot of photography that's very nice, and I think Clint Eastwood does a good enough job. It's not, 
I don't think it's where he wants to be right. totally, but it's pretty good direction-wise. Um, but we're not there yet. We are just now getting to um, uh, Hemlock goes to summer Arizona camp. or he something. He goes to summer camp. Yeah, he go- it is. It's Hemlock goes to summer. It's like Ernest. <laughs> Ernest goes to fucking camp. Hey, Vern, I'm going to fuck a whole bunch of ladies this summer. Yeah, they were they were in Mon- Monument Valley, <laughs> okay. which is like Arizona, Utah. Yeah. Um, but he's going to meet up with Ben, his, uh, old climbing, like, partner, friend, guru, to get back into climbing shape. And Ben, hallelujah, George Kennedy, fucking, George Kennedy shows up and in his first scene, he's like, hey man, this is the top of the second act and nobody's been acting in this movie. I'm a character actor. And he basically says, stand aside, Junior. And it's just, like, manic energy George Kennedy for, like, a minute of like, hey, holy shit, that's good to see you. That's fucking great. I can't, I'm so happy to see you. We're going to have a great time. We're going to learn how to fucking climb mountains and shit. You're going to see all kinds of titties. It's going to be awesome. And he like pushes him into his Jeep and then just fucking speeds off down the road. And I was like, damn, I'm so happy George <laughs> Kennedy showed up. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, he's honestly, it's a hot, sweaty room and somebody opened the door and the breeze that came in was George Kennedy. <laughs> like, I feel so much better right now. Oh, dude, yeah. It's he just he just takes all the pressure off. He's still he, his character is also very sexist, so it's not oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. he's yeah. not great, but he's fun. Yeah, I mean, at least there's a little more to it when he's on screen. <laughs> his performance is more fun. It's loose. It feels fun. It feels light. It's not everybody fucking you know. Yeah, it's not their be real audition for a James Bond movie. Where he's like, well, if I do this, maybe I get to play Jaws or whatever the fuck. You know, it's like, no, not the shark, the guy from... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six <Six-lighter> Lighter Fly. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> the shark is a skinny white man. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is like, I don't I don't even know. Uh, anyway. God, I just pictured, <laughs> pictured, Clint, pictured Clint Eastwood in a shark like a shitty... Like Party City shark costume is so fun. So Ben, yeah, Ben is gonna he's help him train. George Kennedy, Ben, he's the climbing instructor. Yeah, he's gonna help him get in shape to do the mountain. Yep, takes him back to the like poolside cabana bar yeah. thing, and they each get a beer, and he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna climb the Iger." and it's a whole, it's just more exposition that we yeah. don't need. It's like. Honestly, I have very little notes for this, except that, like, it's, it's, a girl comes up and he's smacking her ass. Oh, yes. Sec- that was the second, second yes. butt, butt yeah. pat. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he gives... He he's gives, also giving, like, like actual kitty calling. Like, he's, like, psing at her. Yeah. Well, they also, for uh, they do a lot of ass shots, and yeah. not yeah. not all the time women. A lot of... No. A lot of, a lot of a lot of Clint Eastwood's ass on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And one point, there's just Clint Eastwood's crotch in frame for a long time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's him and Miles. Yeah. Well, that's... That might be an implication. Yeah. Oh, it's an implication, <laughs> all or, right. Or it could be a subconscious implication. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's like, I'm being subtle. Uh-huh. I read about it in a book. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yeah, George Kennedy just it gives a bunch... It was involuted. Yeah, he did. He wrote crap in a real book about... I don't even know about subtlety. Crap. They're like, Clint, we got that from the library, dude. Come on. <laughs> Clint, that was a donation from a children's library. Too bad. I can beat up a bunch of kids. My Who's fir- going to stop me? My first subtext. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like everybody poops, but it's called everybody directs. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, George Kennedy just gives a bunch of exposition about the climbers. He talks about how, like, the French guy is as old as you are, you know, and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Clint Eastwood goes like, yeah, any, of them, is, any think... of them walk with a limp? And he's like, uh, no. I think it's the French. It doesn't matter. He says, yeah, I think one of them said he got injured in a fall last year and he has kind of a limp. So Clint Eastwood's like, oh, it's probably that guy. And that's kind of it. And then he's like, you know, but he's like, you know, Hemlock, you're too old to be climbing the, the north face of Iger. You know, you tried before and you failed and you're too old. It'll kill you. And he's like, I gotta do it because I need a painting or whatever. And revenge. <laughs> and he's like, all right, well, you're not drinking any more beer. So savor that one. And, you know, you're going to exercise your little ass off. <laughs> that's what he says, basically. I'm paraphrasing. That's it, right? And then it just cuts, and he's like, "It's the next is them." Oh yeah, it's, it's them jogging. Yeah, it's them jogging. He jogs them out um, to a point in the fucking yeah. woods or whatever. Yeah. It's a very Clint has got a pack, and uh, uh, George Kennedy does not. Yeah. so he's in the lead. And the I, mean, I think out, the implication is that George Kennedy is in better shape. Like everybody's in better shape. It's like. This is the Clint Eastwood equivalent of, like, fucking She's All That. Like, they took off his glasses and let his hair down, and all of a sudden he's pretty. Like, he's, like, jogging behind these people, like, I can barely keep up, oh, God. And then, like, two minutes later, he's just like, I can run now. It's like, what? Like, there was no... They were kind of doing a montage. It's a... I mean, I know it was supposed to be a montage, but A, it was, like, the worst montage. It was the least montage, least effective montage, but also, but like... it was the most offensive montage. It was very Oh, offensive. God. Yeah. So, George instead Kennedy... Of, instead of having a rock and anthem, it's just sprinkled with, like, some off-color jokes. Yeah. There's some twinkly score, which yeah, doesn't work for a montage at all. It's like the opener, opening to Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. With a bunch of Native American racism. Native American <laughs> racism. Yeah. It's because, just, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's the opening yeah. commercial. It's like yeah. some twinkly fucking like score, and then he's just like, oh, fire water. Oh, how? Oh. Because, yeah, Bob Ugh. Bob takes him out of certain ways, and, and he he's goes, like, oh, are we heading back? Gonna... And he goes, well, I am. You're going on with George, because his, well, because this woman is named George, apparently. He goes, George so, is a girl. Yeah, George is a yeah, girl. Yeah, a lot of people notice that about her. Yeah. You fucking schmuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's, so we thought she was kind of ambiguously ethnic looking. But thanks to the subtle writing and uh, ADR work of Clint Eastwood, we learn that she's Native American because of all the fucking Native American slurs and slander he hurls at her. Yeah, because oh, uh, honestly, it's just that she looks like she's probably non-white. The first thing he says is, well, you don't have to do everything uh, you don't have to do everything that Ben says. You can strike back at the white man. Yeah. And I was, immediately was like, oh. I would like to begin this segment by thanking the Navajo Nation for access to Monument Valley. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like, if you're going to put one thanks in, the other thanks should have been in there. Thank you to the Navajo Nation for access to Monument Valley and, you know, like, being cool with all the racist shit I put in here. Because oh. there's a lot of it. For, like, two minutes. It's like, imagine it, the Rocky montage of him running through, like, South Philadelphia and running up the Rocky steps, except the whole time he's like, the Jews run the media. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, just ADR racism for no fucking yeah. reason. Yeah, because that's the thing, Because he's technically mo- mad at her for being his trainer, but it's like, fuck you. Like, yeah. You're here for a reason. You're not being, like, tortured or forced to do this. This is a job you took on for, again, a painting, comma, revenge. Your two reasons. But you're like, you fucking stupid squaw. Like, it's awful. He says, scalp me. He just says, scalp me. It's ADR. He doesn't say it in the shop. He's like, scalp me. Awful. He says, I wish Custer would have won. And, and then the deepest cut of all, which I cannot believe, I can and can't believe I understood. Because my brain is weird. And I have this weird amount of, like, uh, 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 
trivial knowledge. Oh, yeah, he right. he knew an obscure thing that Will and I did not catch. Yeah, that he had to explain. He to says us. screw Marlon Brando, and everybody goes what? And I was like, oh, because I think, and what it was was that Marlon Brando had a uh, Native American woman, I, be- I believe, uh, accept an award on his behalf and then give a speech about the plight of the Native American people uh, because he was a big supporter of you know Native American rights and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, of course, Clint Eastwood's like, I guess it was topical all the time, but screw Marlon Brando, just blurb. And this is like over two days. This is the thing. Well, this is why it's an ineffective montage. So I, is the I music have no stops. I, so I have no idea how long this takes place. I thought they went out at least like five right. or six times. Doesn't matter. There's two shots of him sleeping. They did change clothes. Like yeah, that. they changed clothes right, a bunch. So like, I thought this was over the course of a few <laughs> weeks, but that we were only seeing like every so often. But or a, whatever. the score is not good for a montage. It's bad. It's poor. Yeah. It doesn't drive anything. And the music stops repeatedly for scenes of him in bed and then he gets woken up by George Kennedy being like, it's, you know, 3 a.m., get your ass out of bed, you're going to go running again and all that. Mm-hmm. Get back in shape. But, like, the score stops dead. It doesn't, like, turn down to the background mm-hmm. and keep going. It just stops dead. So, like, it seems like it's a new scene and then it's back to running. So it doesn't yeah. feel like a montage. It just seems like repetitive filmmaking. Yeah. And, like, I get that, like, proper montages like Rocky, I mentioned Rocky. Mm-hmm. Rocky is the pinnacle of sports montages, a training montage, which is what this is. And I guess Clint Eastwood was just like, eh. I mean, I'm not saying that, because there's no pop songs in this or anything. Like, I'm not saying you needed, like, the Eye of Tiger, but, like... Anything. John Williams, yeah. he's, he's a fucking professional composer. He could have written something driving for this and, like, really, you know, carried the... But, yeah, it doesn't... It fails. This is a failed... Uh, there's, there's another failed thing later, but this is a very failed montage for me. Yeah. Half um, the time it sounded like, like I said, the opening to Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. The other half it sounded like the opening to Masterpiece Theater. Yeah. Like, there was a... Yeah, there's some harpsichord <laughs> stuff early on, which is cool. We yeah. talked about off-air, but this mostly sounded like the music you'd get if you went to a spa. <laughs> yes. It's like waiting room of a spa music. I'm not saying the piece of music itself is bad. This does not work for a montage in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, actually, yeah, I liked the music. I would have listened to it without seeing uh, sweaty Clint Eastwood. He is, like, never sweating during the actual montage, but then when he goes back to the, like, cabana and he's, like, getting a burger, trying to get a burger or whatever, he's, like, sweaty, quote-unquote, but, like, it's weird. Like, he doesn't know where humans sweat from (laughs) because he spent his whole life being a cowboy in the desert. He's like, I don't sweat. (laughs) And so they just, like, his shoulders are wet. As though his sweat glands are the outer side of his shoulders. Yeah, because I could see having, like, pack strap ones, but it goes way farther yeah. out than it yeah, should. Yeah, and it's, like, kind of not where the pack straps would be. Yeah, or, like, exactly. it's a real yeah. It's um, like he's lactating out of his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, ac- actually, in that particular scene, I also noted there's, like, a girl behind him in a green bikini. Yeah. That's just, like, this extra that I guess they didn't tell well enough what she should be doing. Because she's, kinda... she's back there, and she's almost directly looking at the camera, and <laughs> yeah. she's like... Look, I'm in the sun. Look at me. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, oh, I'm just giggling with my girlfriend. I thought she was trying to get his attention at first, and then they like she's had, just staring at him. And I thought she was going to yeah. come over and say something, yeah, but yeah. then he flips off yeah. George Kennedy, yeah. and she like laughs, but like in a weird amount of time, like like she laughs like she just got what the finger was. <laughs> Like, it's like when you're friend, you have a friend that, like, it takes a second to get the joke, and then they laugh, but, like, all I mean, they do is flip him off, and she's like, 
Pause. I mean, also. Pause. Pause. <laughs> also, it took me a second because he's got way too many knuckles up doing that flip off. <laughs> he is a chimp I, of a man. I know. I know. He's like flip somebody off. Yeah, it's an <laughs> it's an awkward bird. It's a fucking it's a monkey's paw. He just made his penultimate wish. There's only that one finger left sticking up. But yeah, so yeah, green bikini. We don't know what her deal is, but nope. we, yeah, but we wonder. But yeah, also, so George has taken him on all these runs. She does not speak. Never. At, at, at one point, she encourages him to climb up a uh, hill by taking her top off. When he gets up the top, he just mutters a bunch of well, duplicitous, tricksy, fucking whatever. But well, he never, it's because it's she's disappeared like a wood nymph. Yeah, she disappeared. Yeah, exactly. Like a fucking forest sprite. Yes. And, you're, you, and he, now it's he's like, sexually frustrated and is... I'm so just, hard on this mountain right yeah. now. Which we'll get to later. Um, and I'm not kidding either. Everyone listening, this is true. Put a pin in that. We'll be back to it soon. So, yeah, he gets up to the top and it's like 30 seconds of just like, just bile. And he's like, duplicitous, tricky, fucking conniving. And you're like, he's going to say like engine or something. And he goes, bitch. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't hate her because she's an Indian. He hates her because she's a woman. That's better. Oh, question to be honest, oh, that was one of the funniest parts. It wasn't yeah. racist. It was sexist. <laughs> oh. And that's better. And then oh, there's a yes. question mark, but it's yeah. the Riddler shit on the ground. <laughs> it's better, question mark. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually funny because oh, it's the like unex- here. unexpected. <laughs> it did. It did. It took me, took me, took me by surprise. And then, oh boy, settle in, we, folks. And then we are introduced to Miles. Oh, Miles and his dog, his very, very cute little dog. It's a what Yorkshire? It looks like a Yorkie. Yeah, yeah. it looked like a miniature, uh, yeah, miniature terrier. Yeah. We are introduced to this dog because it is humping Clint Eastwood. And, Humping his uh, leg like dogs do. Yeah, like dogs do. And then we we learn the dog's name, which I don't want to put anyone on blast, but Will, you're a you're a gay man. <laughs> would you like to please say the dog's name? Because I would feel real bad saying it. <clears throat> All right. Um, the uh, small dog's name was. Yep, that's the dog's name. The dog is owned by Miles. Miles is gay. Miles looks like. A Thomas Lennon character. Yeah, Miles is like intentionally flamboyantly gay. Yep. Um, for this, um, actually, so also going back to Archer, it kind of looks like when Archer's doing that honeypot thing and dyes his hair blonde. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah, looks kinda like, like that. Yeah, kind of like slicked down and blonde. Yeah. And he's got a weird mustache. Yes. He orders from the uh, waitress. He orders a frozen daiquiri. Oh, so you feel okay saying that? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I just want yeah. to make a note of it. It's gross. Yeah, ad- yeah, admittedly, yeah, there is a lot here that is just unsavory. Yeah, um, then a, a girl comes up and she's like, cute dog. And he's like, oh, that's great. What's your name? And she's like, Ms. Buns. And he goes, oh, that's also good. No, he was like, of course it is. Of course it is, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, she's like, oh, he's like, well, you want to watch my dog? And she's like, sure. And then he says, make sure he doesn't, or be careful he doesn't rape you. Yeah. It's just why and what and for whom and fuck you. Like... Well, it's the it's the comic relief for this movie. No, George Kennedy is the comic relief. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, it's not like that guy. And let him run around. It's not funny now, and to the level of this is, I doubt it was even funny in '75. No, and like again, maybe this plays better in this book. Maybe, maybe because of the way it's written, it plays as more of a parody. But this just seems like like a fucking gay panic fever dream. Yeah, like. Yeah. 
because he's the guy that got Clint Eastwood shot. I'm like, I'm surprised there's not a line about how it was a shot in his butt. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like, but, so they do do that whole, like, you know, step up behind thing, and, you know, that's your yeah, method. He's, yeah, he's yeah. like, I, I don't want to, you know, have to deal with worrying about you coming up behind me. And he's like, that's really your method. And whatever. And that, I made a joke while we were watching about it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to give your life the old reach around. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a better line than appears in this whole scene. Also, much more polite. It is. It is just considerate. Um. Uh, so uh, this is. He's got a bodyguard that's real goofy looking. He yeah. He looks. That, he looks like like a Johnny Bravo. Like he's, he's big, he's, muscular, goofy face, and he's dressed like Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. It, well, yeah. He looked like he looked like a tiny Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. 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 Uh, Luke Ferrigno tried to get me laid one time. Oh, wait, yes. I told yes. you that story. No, tell tell the listeners the story. Oh, we haven't got into this. Really <laughs> briefly, um, I know I used to be on comic book message boards and kind of roundabout know some comic book people, so nerd. I got invited to... He's a nerd. Yes. Um, so I was invited to the after party after like a Comic-Con here in Philadelphia, and so we're hanging out in the lobby of like the Marriott or something, and um, uh, <laughs> we're all broke. So we're all drinking whatever we brought with us rather than expensive hotel lobby bar drinks. But to keep the ruse up, every so often somebody would like go up and it would be their turn to just like buy a beer and then get a couple of cups of ice because we were drinking, you know, like everybody had bottles in their backpacks or somebody had a box of wine. Oh, bag wine. Yeah. yeah. And we were, you know, like surreptitiously pouring that in these cups of ice and drinking it and whatever. And then it'd be like, hey, it's been a while. We need more ice. Like, oh, it's your turn. Why don't you go up and buy a drink? And somebody would go. So it was my turn to go up and get ice and, and one beer and like six glasses of ice. I went up and Lou Ferrigno was at the bar and I didn't notice till I got there because I was kind of drunk. And then Lou Ferrigno is this just huge half deaf man who is like talking at the bartender and she's very polite, very cute young lady. And yeah, so he's, he's, he's half deaf to begin with, but yeah. then he's a couple sheets to the wind yeah, and that doesn't drunk. really help with your he's comprehension. Drunk. It's a loud lobby. There's music. There's all kinds of people talking and fucking the ghost hunters were there and people were interviewing like the heads of Marvel comics and shit like across the lobby. It was a, it's a scene, man. And, uh, so he goes like... Truly, it was the Studio 54 for the of that unwashed. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Lou Ferrigno is just like, hey, buddy. I'm not going to do an impression of Lou Ferrigno. It's disrespectful. Plus, he's huge. He could kill me. Um, but he's like, hey, buddy. It pats me on the back with his frying pan of a hand, man. And I was just like, oh, shit. You're Lou Ferrigno. I was like, hi. And he goes... She's pretty, right? And points to the bartender. I was like, yeah, she's very pretty. And he turns, up, turns to her, and, you know, she turns around and, like, take our drink order or whatever. And he's like, this is my friend, meaning me. And he's pointing to me. And I was like, Lou Ferrigno said I'm his friend. <laughs> he's like, this is my friend. You two should date. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, that would be wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I just, the Hulk is trying to get me laid, dude. I was like, what is happening? And, like, he, like, passed me on the back. And he's like, you have a good night. I was like, yeah, and I take my tray with my one drink and my six glass of ice, and I, I left her all the change on that ten, you know? And I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> but yeah, Lou Ferrigno was really like trying to hook it up, trying to be my wingman. The Hulk is my wingman. That's a t-shirt I should just have made to live in. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my fun uh, Lou Ferrigno. Seems like an awesome dude story. Oh, but yeah, so... Mil Miles Mello. Mello. So he's got a bodyguard. Clint Eastwood kicks his ass because he's a badass motherfucker. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. Yeah, it's dumb. And <laughs> then, I do want to say that Clint Eastwood is a lot skinnier than I thought. He is really... Like, especially well, up against, like, average-sized people. Yeah, like, like, kind of scrawny arms. 
Yeah, but not he's wiry. Expect. Yeah, he's like well, he looks like like what I imagine Lincoln looked like. Well, so he was, he was in his forties for this movie, and he did all the climbing himself, and so he did a bunch of training yeah. for that. Oh yeah. So no, no, no. Yeah. I don't think he looks like weak. No, he just no. Like, he just. But that's what yeah, I'm saying. I, kinda I always I pictured him as like barrel, more barrel chested, broad shouldered, like cowboy. But yeah, that's I, why I wore that fucking. I don't think he really had a, a big frame for yeah, no. most yeah. of his career. He's lean. But again, like, he's our protagonist, so he's going to put the hurt on this guy for yeah, this very, this guy very little reason. George Kennedy references him later as a wrestler, and I was like, yeah, he does look like he could have been a wrestler of that era. Yeah. Like, he's got that build. So uh, then uh, George Kennedy and Hemlock, uh, Ben and Hemlock, they go climbing. Yeah, we shouldn't call him George Kennedy because it's a character, George, although she doesn't. Honestly, she really doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I mean, every she has zero lines. I mean, we've been referring to him as Hemlock nice or. Rest, yeah. She did have very nice breasts. Yeah. You're really getting your mileage out of the boobs in this. Yeah. They go climbing. They climb up this uh, enormous fucking tower of a, of a mountain peak pillar thing. Yeah. And then um, um, George Kennedy, you know, Ben is like, hey, you want a beer? And he's like, oh, you didn't bring any beer. And he's like, no, nah, I put it in your backpack, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and uh, he's like, ah, that's great. He's like, it's warm, though. He's like, well, I thought you'd draw the line at ice, which I it was a line I missed. But uh, you guys filled me in. Yeah. Like, it's a good line. It is a good line. And there's some nice photography in that. And then um, we fade from that to him, uh, uh, Hemlock in bed. And then there's a knock at the sweet door. And it opens and it's George. And without saying anything, this is the creepiest shit. Okay, <laughs> I was so. Waiting for you to get to this. Yeah, so, okay. But if I was going to fuck a dude and I, uh, and I opened his bedroom door and he was like, and then he did my lines without. <laughs> I mean, even if I had established that I don't speak or rarely speak or choose not to speak or whatever the fuck. If he did my dialogue, I know. Hello, Hunter. Oh, hello, Professor Hemlock. Oh, it's good. You see me climbing that mountain? Yeah, you look real sexy. You want to get in my bed? Yeah. But that's what he does. And George is like, mm-hmm, yes. Without saying anything, she's like, we are going to fuck now. And then her her, her breasts make a second appearance. This is where you get most of the breast footage. And again, um, she's a very attractive lady. Yeah. 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 And then I guess he's asleep for a bit. And then we cut to like her pegging him. Yeah, yeah, she's behind him. It's a, it's definitely like he's getting pegged. And I was like, I was like, I don't remember this being so sexually progressive. <laughs> of course it's not. It is not. Of In fact, not. just so you don't think there was any shenanigans going on, he's wearing jeans. Yeah. He's wearing his jeans. Asleep in bed or getting a massage or whatever the fuck. But like, no, you just fucked this girl. And she's going to like sign language, like roll over and I'll give you a massage. And you'll be like, hold on, I got to put jeans on so you don't play with my butt. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. He's... I'm surprised he wasn't still wearing his boots. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't holding a gun. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just real weird that he was wearing full jeans in this. Yes, but so, what was she actually doing behind him? Pegging him. <laughs> no? Is that not right? Um, no, she was uh, fake massaging him and then giving him an injection uh, of what we find out is a cousin to Morphe. Yeah. And he, he passes out and he wakes up and it's uh, George Kennedy on top of him being like, hey buddy, come on, wake up, pal. So he says that... Well, um, that she was trying to drug him. She and drugged stuff. him on behalf of Miles. Yeah, she was working for him, and that she's down in his room, yeah. or in Ben's room right yeah. now, being guarded. Yeah, she's guarded. That he's got people watching Miles to make sure nothing happens with him. But that Miles told her, and how they get this from her, I'll never know because apparently she doesn't speak. Who knows? Um, Miles told her that it was just to put a scare into Hemlock. The next day, uh, what Miles and his uh, brute 
are uh, about to leave, and you know Hemlock comes up to them, and he's like, "I gotta stay around here for a couple of days. I, I gave it some thought. I'm gonna let you off the hook. I'm not gonna try to get revenge on you for trying to kill me." Uh, and there's some like, mm, "How did you sleep, Hemlock?" And he's like, "Pretty good." And he hops in his car, he drives away, and then Miles and 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 the bulk <laughs> follow him uh, way too close for way too long. And he drives out in the middle of the fucking desert, and he gets far. He does a thing. So what is it? He oh, engages his headlights, yeah, which yeah. makes his brake lights light up as though he were stopping. Yeah. But so they stop, so they don't rear-end him. But then he hits the gas, so he gets like a lead on them. Yeah, they do some car chase shenanigans that they then have to explain to the audience. Yeah, with which all is this idiotic. exposition. It's unnecessary. It's not cool. It's not like, oh, what a neat car trick. Or he doesn't go up on two wheels or yeah. fucking... There's no all... pit maneuvers, and it's like... No, all he eh. does is get far enough ahead that he can swing a U-turn, which creates a dust cloud, and then apparently when he comes out of the dust cloud, they're so caught off guard that uh, they, you know, swing out of the way. And it's kind of like jousting because the bulk has a pistol out the window firing at Hemlock, and Hemlock's got a shotgun out his window, and he nails the bulk in the neck... The car slides out, and he's dead, and uh, Hemlock gets out of his car and walks over, and Miles gets out of his car, and Hemlock puts him in his own car and drives him, like, ten more miles into the desert. No, I thought it was supposed to be, like, close to 500 miles. Because they drive him 500 miles. Yeah, they were showing the odometer at 500. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I didn't think he drove 500 miles. I thought it was like it was at 490, and then it was like turning over at five, so he drove him 10 more miles into the desert or something. I I don't Somebody know, but I mean like for 10 miles. that's yeah. what I thought. That's what I thought it was incredibly stupid. Either way, it's stupid. Yeah, I think the idea <laughs> because it did not convey at the distance at all. I think the idea was they drove him pretty goddamn far out into the desert to leave him, and then basically. Miles found his twin brother, and they started the band, the Proclaimers. Uh-huh. And I would walk 500 miles. I would walk 500 more just to shoot Clint Eastwood <laughs> in the face. <laughs> but yeah, it's this whole thing of like, you're not going to kill me. Wait. You're not going to leave me. me? Yeah. Kill me, but don't leave me. And then the dog, who was with them the whole time, well, because uh, Miles was carrying the dog, and the dog gets in Clint Eastwood's car. It's a huge. This is a thing for me of continuity. Clint Eastwood's passenger side door is never open in any of these shots, but the dog clearly gets in through an open passenger side door. I thought it showed it being open it when he open. stops. There may or may not be continuity issues here. So when we watched this four years ago, we all remember a part of this scene that doesn't appear to actually be in the edition that we watch now. So either it's cut out or we have some kind of mass hypnosis. Yeah. We believe that Miles calls after his dog, whose name you might remember, which Hunter and I cannot say because we are non-union. We, yeah, we uh, <laughs> we don't want to cross the picket line on this one. Yeah, um, but- we are day laborers at best. <laughs> We believe that, yeah, there was, like, a long echoing shot. It of was a Miles. very con scream. Yeah. Yeah. Just con. replace con with, um, if you do remember the dog's name, it was, uh, uh I get <laughs> Yeah. You say it so delicately. <laughs> I love it. But so in the edition that we watch... Slightly edited. Yeah, it's it's just him going, Jonathan! But it's not even that long yeah, a yell. Yeah, no, not even. He goes like, Jonathan! And that's it. But either way, we all remember it existing, and it does not appear. So that's weird. Is Clancy doesn't say anything either. Oh and yeah, I was like that's a whole thing where his whole in, thing is just dead eyed. Yeah, and yeah. just just put in some like quote unquote snappy banter. You're like, 
what are we doing out here, Jonathan? And be like, we're going to judge a beauty pageant. Like anything. Just say anything where it seems like you're trying to make a quip. It's just quiet. And it's just yeah. weird, especially for this, like, it's a comedy. It's a parody tone thing of, like, yeah, quippy a, Bond. It, it Bond would have a line. It just yeah. ends up being cold. Roger Moore would have more than one line. Yeah, yeah. Roger Moore would have fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> He would have been like, I'm the alpha male. <laughs> Roger Moore is the alpha Bond. Roger Moore is fucking great. I, honestly, like, I like all the Bonds. It's like all the different iterations of Batman. They're all great at what they are. Now we're at the Iger Mountain Range. We meet the three other climbers. Um, yeah. So we have, it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to say it anyway. We have Freetag, the Austrian, Montaigne, the Frenchman, and Meyer, the German. So also, Montaigne's wife has been described by George Kennedy as both a brick shit house and a real man trap. Yeah. Um, and apparently, she's kind of a cougar and is going to fuck the younger man, quote unquote, who is Clint Eastwood? Question mark. <laughs> the Riddler pooped on the ground. Well, so I I thought it wasn't necessarily that she was looking for men younger than her, but that she was looking for men younger than her husband. Yeah. The Frenchman looks. Like, at least two members of The Who. <laughs> like, he's a dark-haired man with a full beard, and like... Yeah, and he looks... He, he looks like maybe he could be... Because apparently uh, Clint Eastwood was 40. He looks younger than Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He but looks, that's the thing. Is yeah. He, yeah, Clint Eastwood I'm not looks saying older he, than Yeah, I'm not saying he looks younger than 40, but he looks younger than Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood yes. looks... Well, Clint Eastwood looks... I mean, like, he's physically able-bodied and, you know, everything... Like, he doesn't act like an older man, but he physically in the face looks like a voodoo monkey skull. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got, like a cut scene from the end of Beetlejuice. He's got a face. He tried like, to steal that fucking voodoo priest's fucking ticket number. <laughs> Clint was like, I guess I'm next. And then the guy went chicka 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 with his fucking whatever. And Clint with head shrunk down this monkey skull that he's got. Got a face like the last potato in the sash. He's <laughs> got a face like your roommate's plant you forgot to water while they were on vacation. Oh, shit. Sorry, Stephanie. At one point in this movie, he has the, I swear to God, exact same haircut as Nicolas Cage in that National Treasure movie where everybody photoshopped him to have a bird on his head. Also around here, too, um, Ben mm. tells... Uh, Clint Eastwood that like uh, they found Miles in the desert well that his bodyguard was shot with a shotgun and they found Miles in the sand dead as Kelsey's nuts so I did a little research so that is actually an antiquated phrase that was popularized by Nixon no shit yeah way do tell yeah it was mostly in use from the 1930s to the 1950s <laughs> but originates from the 1900s uh with john kelsey an automaker who used to work for henry ford and then started his own company which is still in existence kelsey hayes canada limited canada yeah huh okay i mean what, moved is, to canada. what does that have to do with his nuts uh, apparently they were literally talking about how well tightened the nuts were on the wheels that Kelsey Automotive or whatever would make. And the phrase Wait. used to be tighter than Kelsey's nuts and then became deader than Kelsey's nuts. Thanks, Nixon. Yeah, they were considered very well made and very safe. Well, I mean... But then somehow it turned into deader than Kelsey's nuts. There was a period of time where to give somebody solid dick was to give them good advice. I'm kind of glad we changed that. I'm not. You might get some solid dick from this podcast. <laughs> We're full of solid dick. <laughs> Every single one. Uh, we have now. Jim um, shows up. 
Jemima. Oh, well, Jim shows up on the that, they're, they're doing a new climbing route and stuff. Yeah, well, and the the big takeaway is that they're doing a new route up the north face, which is across an very, ice field yeah, and yada, very yada, dangerous. Yada, yeah. And also that they won't have a good way to get back down. Frytag. Yeah. Yeah. Frytag is like, well, you can be in charge of the escaping because you have so much experience. Ha 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 ha. Clint Eastwood is fucking, you can tell in this scene, he's like, God, I hope he's the spy. Button your shirt, you goddamn hippie. <laughs> like, he just wants to fucking murder this dude right from the jump. He wants to fuck the Frenchman's wife. He's okay with the German. He's yeah, the like, German is actually pretty... He's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention. Remember when I said to put a pin in it? Well, when uh, when oh, Ben right. and Hemlock climb that big old tower of a, of a mountain and they have beer on top, there's a shot of Hemlock climbing over this ridge where he is just straight up fucking this mountain for like 30 seconds. Just like, yeah. There will be a video or a, or a fucking boomerang on our social media when this, when this episode drops of uh, Clint Eastwood fucked a mountain. So that happened. Um, so then, yeah, yeah it's, Jemima returns. Jemima shows up on the mountain. He's literally like, what the fuck are you even doing here? Which is what I and said. It's yeah, like, honestly, the rest of us are like, what the fuck are you even doing here? And she just like, shows up to give a couple, like a little bit more exposition that doesn't matter. And then Pope shows up and he has, his exposition matters even less. However, this is the best acting Pope has done so far. Wrong. It is the most acting. <laughs> it's, also, a fine, it's, a, it's a hair fine distinction, but it is different. Also, it's that his outfit is the most outfit he's worn this entire time. It really time. is. It's, the mo- it's audacious, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is very, uh, it's bright. So um, they, they go back and forth for a bit, and then he's trying to Hemlock pressure, kicks he's, his ass. Well, he's trying to pressure Hemlock into doing this thing, and he's clearly already going to fucking do There's no way he's not. Um, then he sprays Banaka in his mouth. Then he calls him sweetheart. Then he says, like, yeah, did you bang, uh, you know, Jemima? And he says, uh, well, first he says, that's mighty white of you, which is, uh... I guess a phrase? I guess that was a phrase in the 1970s. And he goes, ha oh, do you hear what I said? Like, he didn't mean to say it. Like, it's just an expression that fell out of his mouth. And he's just like, ha, I bet you never get that from black stuff. And I was like, ugh, ugh. So then there's the worst Smokey and the Banditist fight in this fucking movie because he, uh, uh, Hemlock turns on Pope and he's like, I'm going to kick your ass now because you're messing with my lady. Pope says, well, I know karate. And then he just holds his arms up and goes, hi, which is insane. <laughs> Clint Eastwood punches him once in the face with like the worst wildest punch I've ever seen. Then they kind of stumble half down a hill and he's, Pope is still going like, yay, yay. That's it. He just like whoops his ass. It's like goofy as fuck and it goes it is, nowhere. It is my favorite punch yeah. in the entire movie. Because it, yeah. like I said, it's that Second City TV 3D punch yeah. where it's like coming at you. Yeah, like, it comes right at the screen. It should be the fucking uh, million dollar man. <laughs> terrible yeah you're you're right that that's white of you is an antiquated phrase as well which i didn't even catch that line yeah because um, it segues directly into his black stuff line but yeah it's it's an antiquated phrase that probably has roots in colonialism probably you don't racist. say yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah you don't say it's exactly yeah. what you think it is yeah <laughs> yeah you know what you don't say yeah. anymore <laughs> 
This is when you yeah, when you find out a lot of the fucking yeah. you know yeah. So the microfilm MacGuffins don't yeah. matter. Yeah, the microfilm isn't real. The sanctions are only being carried out to make it look like the microfilm is real because if they did nothing, then they would then the other side would know that this stuff is fake and blah blah blah. Who gives a shit? But the takeaway is that oh, they're risking uh, uh, Hemlock's life to do this ruse. They're they're not only risking but forfeiting the life of a well, it's two enemy agents, so yeah. they could give a shit. The entire time, they're always saying our side and their side. No, it's very, it's very, vi- and like, and again, maybe that's part of the parody. Maybe it's like, maybe the book is, they only have referred to them as our side and their side. It's very like, isn't it dumb how black and white it is? But again, it doesn't come across in this. Yeah. So this is where Clint Eastwood is trying to do, because he, you know, Clint Eastwood's a cowboy guy. He's trying to do John Ford Western's panoramic, like, shots of nature and to give you scope. Yeah. Like, that's what filming all Monument Valley shit, like, that, they all, they did that in, in the Westerns to give scope and, like, show the grandeur of nature and blah, 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 man's place in it, yada, yada, yada. So he's trying to do that with this, but A, it's harder to do because you're doing it on the side of a fucking mountain. You have to have your cast, your crew, and everything, like, dangling on the side of fucking, you know, death um, to do it. So a lot of the shots are a little cramped, a little forced, whatever. There's still very nice photography here. Yeah. I just don't think it quite gets to what he's going for. Some of the wide shots are very, very nice. Yeah, there, yeah. there is some very nice photography. Um, this is this is like the highlight really but at the same time it's the most boring shit because it's just climbing and there's no we don't really get scope like we get scope in shots we don't get any idea of how far it's like it's yeah, like the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies like I don't yeah. know how fucking far they've walked so far yeah there's not a lot there's not a good sense of time or distance or anything yeah. we get intermediate shots back to the lodge where uh, George Kennedy and Jemima are like looking yeah at, so I guess telescope. part of the lodge thing is they have like a deck with all these telescopes so that people at the lodges can watch the climbers as they ascend over a couple of days. And George Kennedy's one of them. Well, yeah, he's their, like, pit crew down at yeah, the, I mean, he's the one base of, camp He's or watching, Jemima's watching, there are other assorted randos watching who... There's one guy that just gets a, ooh, shot later, <laughs> which we're just like, who the fuck was that? The Frenchman's yeah. wife is watching. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually a kind of, like, a little yeah. touching. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In theory, yeah. it's not really played into at all. No, yeah. yeah. You don't really know anything about her. Um, <laughs> they do some, like, heavy hinting that the German guy's trying to kill... Trying to kill anybody, Hemlock. but specifically Hemlock. And so this sequence sucks. Because it's one of my least favorite things in all of film, which is shooting day for night. Yeah. Which is when you try to shoot, you usually shoot at noon, high noon, because um, your shadows are the smallest because the sun is directly above you. So there's less shadow to show up under anything. And then you overexpose the film to make it look overly dark. But So it's overly dark, but because there's no shadow and it's all light... Uh, you can still make out shapes and movement and shadows and stuff, and it looks like it's a bright full moon type light. Google day for night, you'll begin to be able to spot it yourself. Yeah. It has a very specific look. Right. It's which... the kind of thing where if you don't know the name for it already, if you've watched you know enough movies, you've probably been like, huh, that looks weird and not been able to put your finger on exactly why, and that's what it is. And they're trying to do that here and pretend like, okay, it's their first night making base camp or whatever, and they're sleeping, but it's like... Just clearly shitty day for night photography. Uh, uh, Hemlock wakes up in the middle of the quote unquote night to see Slowhand Meyer <laughs> fucking sawing through the rope with a knife that he earlier uses to cut chocolate. Oh, you know, chocolate that you need to cut with a knife? You know how we all have a chocolate knife? <laughs> so he saws through. I don't want to judge people on their customs. I don't either, but it seemed unnecessary. 
I was thinking maybe it's a, a Swiss thing. Maybe. Ah. But anyway, so he uses a knife to cut some chocolate. He uses this knife to cut a rope. Did, I did Clip. see some nuts in the chocolate. Yeah. That may thing then, you know. But it's when the rope scene, the thing is. Yeah, they, they love that. <laughs> they love that in Austria. It's the only nuts you get to see in this movie. You can see all the It's tape. not. There's a fucking, there's a straight up Tate shot later. <laughs> yeah, these guys' jeans on. You're yeah, but they are fucking tight jeans. <laughs> like are, Dean Ambrose. Fine. I'm sorry. These are the only bare nuts you're going to see. That's <laughs> true. The Frenchman slips. He's dangling off this like precipice. Uh, Clint Eastwood is the anchor man, and he's trying to pull him up. And then you see like this hand. It's like a, it's like a serious claw. Like I'm gonna push him off. But then he grabs his shoulder, and and it's oh, it's the German, and he helps pull him up. And you realize the German's okay. And Freitag, the Austrian, is above them. And what happened was he accidentally kicked some rocks down. You know, yeah, were, he disturbed some loose. scree. Uh, scree, yeah. Yeah, it's a term. Vocabulary word. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Yeah, so um, Freitag disturbs, yeah, like some rocks and pebbles and stuff like that. It Which falls down. they bonk the Frenchman on the head yeah, and gets it, a concussion. Yeah, it falls down on uh, 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 Hemlock and... Montaigne. Montaigne. The Frenchman. Yeah, Montaigne gets conked out, so he's dangling. Hemlock's trying to save him and stuff. Um, and then we cut back down to the lodge. Well, and, and also he does the whole echoing thing. Frytag, you asshole! Oh, oh. Um, but yeah. So then we cut back down to the lodge, and George Kennedy and uh, Jemima Brown are looking up, and George Kennedy realizes bad weather's coming. Did yeah. You, did you catch the term? I, so it sounded like a fern, but I couldn't like yeah. look that up. Yeah, it sounded like a fern, and he said it's, it's something, like, but yeah, he said it's, it's warm weather followed by rain that then freezes. Yeah. So basically, you get a slight thaw, like a flash thaw. Yeah. Then rain on top of it, and then it all freezes again, and it just ev- turns everything into ice, yeah. which means you get a layer of ice over the snow that you can't tell the difference between actual ice and just ice over snow. So you could fall through at any time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find purchase. It's hard to get your footing. It's hard to put your pickaxes through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's basically yeah. like just basically nightmare conditions. yeah, you're, yeah. you're super. Fun. This is, you know, a Sharknado of an experience, and it's the worst thing to get caught on the yeah, side of the mountain. Yeah, that's my front stairs two years ago. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, and uh, it's coming up from the south side, which means they can't see it because they're climbing the north Yeah, they're, they're climbing the So they're not going to be uh, aware of it until it's on top of it. Um, they make base camp for the night. When they wake up in the morning, Montaigne is dead. Yeah, he, is, he has died of his injuries. I mean, when they first hauled him up, he was kind of bloody. Heck of a concussion. The weather's bad. He's dead. We have to climb down now. Um, Frytag doesn't want to because he refuses to be beaten. Clint Eastwood's like, fuck you. I'm in charge now. And they start back down. They make plans to go down. and they're Their gonna, descent. Yes. Yeah. And they never leave. You know, you never leave. A, uh, they're dead behind. So they're going to take. Despite Frytag wanting to leave them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that actually does happen. Yeah. Like there are a yeah. bunch of corpses on Everest and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think the whole thing is that, like, if if able to, it's yeah. good to take somebody back, but... But if not, it's like the high score in an arcade game. Yeah, Look, I got I at mean... least as high as this dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying we should leave all dead people where they fall. Yeah. This is a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> this is a ma- this is a thing you're climbing, and again, they're climbing this for no reason. Yeah, like Clint Eastwood's only there to kill one of them. 
<laughs> they're only if there to climb only it. figure out who. Yeah, they're they're there to climb it for glory, or in uh, uh, Montaigne's case, to keep his wife interested in him. Like these are non reasons. Like I think it's okay to leave him, but they, they do a respectful thing and they bring his body down. It's great because after yeah. that, that actor is gone, and it's just an actor shaped uh, fucking tarp that they're carrying down that looks like it weighs nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, you can see it just. It's just dancing <laughs> down that mountain. Like it's so funny. If you love the climbing of the last 20 minutes, guess what? There is more. It's kind of like that, but in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> but even that would be interesting because you're like, oh, it's funny. They just play the same footage backwards. <laughs> this is not bad. It's just more climbing. Um, there's a lot of pickaxes. There's a lot of those spiky boots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, crampons. What are... Crampons. Yeah, those yeah. are the boots. Okay. Turns out I know a lot about climbing too. Yes. Good for you. Basically, the, this is the, what passes for the climactic action sequence. Hemlock and Meyer, the German, almost fall, but then Meyer and Freetag do fall. They're all they all slide off. They're dead except for Hemlock. Yeah. Also, Hemlock also, is, yeah, Montag's well, body falls, and so then Will and I were joking about how it's yeah. just going to be a Ziploc bag full of Jello by the end of that man, because yeah. yeah, it's when the other two were falling, it was like it's a dummy. Yeah, it's obvious. Like the, it's the, the dummiest of thing. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's a locked in place like fucking dummy of a dummy. Like over the years, watching a lot of dumb action movies where people plummet to their death. I guess I've seen the evolution of, you know, special effects dummies and like they made articulated ones that like they didn't quite look real, but they at least moved like a human body would. Yeah. But like this wasn't even a sandbag dummy. This was like no. you know, styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> it was a like mannequin. mannequin. Yeah. If you're a mannequin <laughs> off this mountain. And uh, yeah, I mean, they do it twice. They do it for each one of them. They're each wearing different Power Ranger candy colored yeah. hats and jackets and pants and shit. Yeah, somebody's in real blue and somebody's in orange. Their, and their helmets in yellow contrast. And, yeah. Like it's like a blue jacket with a yellow helmet blow, but like, yeah, whatever. And it's just a dummy wrapped in that shit and it falls off. And then the next dummy and then the corpse, the, the fucking sarcophagus of the Frenchman. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's just Hemlock hanging there in a bunch of ropes, almost exactly like fucking Cliffhanger. Um, so Ben... He happens to have fallen right around where... We knew that's, what, that's the, where they were headed. Yeah, they were headed to, the, like, the lowest base camp. Type area. There's, like, yeah. essentially... There's, there's the a, lodge, and then there's at the base of the mountain. Well, there's, has a, like a, there's a, a place thing. in the mountain yeah. that is, like... A, a railway a, a, access. Yeah, it's a built structure. Yes. Yeah, that has railway access, and that's how you can get people up to the mountain and right. whatever. Right. And so they're trying to head back down there because they know that once Ben sees them descending, he'll move a team in to meet them. Right. So it's Ben and a couple other fucking nobodies. Yeah, he manages to dangle, like, right in front of the fucking window on the side of the mountain. Yeah, the entrance point. And um, at this point, he realizes, he's like, Ben, you're limping. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he he makes some, you know, he's like, whatever. A A witness said that the other guy was limping. And also that he was into mountain climbing. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And that's what it is. And he's like, I don't know if I can trust him. Ben throws him a rope. He's like, I have it locked down on this end, you know, secure it to your carabiner and all that. And he does. And he's like, now cut the, your anchor rope, the rope that's holding you up, and we'll pull you in. Yeah. And so there's it's... a very tense, like, will he cut it? Does he trust him? What will happen? Yada, yada scene. And then he cuts it. And he falls to his death. <laughs> 
No, it doesn't happen. He cuts it and he he's, gets caught and Ben pulls him in. And he's saved. He's they, totally fine. Yeah, they, they put him in the, the fucking awesome uh, mountain train. Yeah. Which there's a cool shot of the two of them in this train car. And it's like driving out of the mountain and it's just like there's rocks like an inch from the glass behind them. Yeah. It's real cool. Yeah, it's a really awesome subway kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, because like even in subways in the city and stuff, like there's feet between you and the wall. Yeah. You know, in case well, anybody has to get I also want to point out that the Swiss do have hidden bunkers all through the Alps. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it's Bevy keeps the chocolate. <laughs> but yes, they're doing like a... Ooh! <laughs> We can cut it. It's fine. Scintillating conversation. <laughs> we are leaving it. We'll do it like a debrief. Or they're doing like a debrief in this uh, subway thing where Ben's just like, yeah, I was there when Wormwood was killed. I didn't want to kill him. And also George is my daughter and this, that, and the other. Yeah, it's Not a whole... George Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. George Kennedy says. Yeah, George. Uh, hot George booby the, lady George. Yeah, the Indian lady that we were super racist towards. Supposedly Indian Yeah. Lady. But, um, yeah, well, he says this is why he had the limp, is he says the cold mountain air really uh, irritates or, or makes my frostbite act up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you should remember, Hemlock, you should remember, you helped carry me off that mountain when my feet froze. And Clint Eastwood gives a real, like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true kind of face. After he makes it back to base camp, he gets a call from Dragon, who is kind of like, oh, I guess you couldn't figure it out either, so you just killed them all, didn't you? Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure Dragon is sitting in front of, like, a big neon Jesus fish in his <laughs> office, which is very confusing. So he's, like, a super Christian, former Nazi, albino, on dialysis. Oh, my God. We I, just I, blew this wide open. I was saying he was probably a Christian, Hessian, albino... Uh, oh, God, I had a whole thing. It's like that Dead Milkman fucking skit. Oh! She's a left-handed lesbian midget albino. <laughs> She's left-handed lesbian midget albino Eskimo. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was um, Christian Hessian albino anemic. Oh, Purple God. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? It's too many goddamn things. I, I don't even it's care. It's entirely too many. Um, wearing an itty bitty coconut bikini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coconut bikini. That you wore for the first time that day. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's allergic to all other clothing, it turns out today we found out. Yeah. From his other nurse, nurse, I don't know, Wyvern face, <laughs> Dr. Acula. <laughs> and he sold seashells by the seashore. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Too bad those seashells were actually chemical weapons. Yeah, they were, it was yeah. code. Uh, that's it, though. That's the movie. What's the final shot? The final shot, oh, I believe, they is... they did some really dumb thing, and they oh, it's did him and, zoom out. It's, it's, him it's and Hemlock Jum- and Jemima on the deck at the at the lodge. This yeah. is what, where I was like, there's more questions at the end. Because uh, Jemima asked him, you didn't really sanction all three of them, did you? And then he just... Stairs, stairs into yeah. the future. And then the camera, yeah, like a pans. helicopter shot up. Yeah, which I guess was supposed to be cute and wry, but it just ended up being kind of <laughs> it seemed flat. Like, it seemed like maybe he suffered a head injury <laughs> Yeah, and then we, And then we do this big swooping zoom out like it's the end of Charlie and the fucking Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's this weird, it's a weird angle and whatever. and Like, like we're about sh- to enter a world of pure imagination. <laughs> it's bullshit. But they do zoom as the as the camera rises, it does show a nice shot of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, like it's the, oh, the is, whole the whole scene is beautiful. Yeah, the Iger is a beautiful mountain. 
It's yeah. yeah, it's natural beauty. It's gorgeous. Like all and like the desert uh, photography mm-hmm. during the, all the training montages is also really nice. There's a lot of really nice photography there. Some of my favorite stuff visually, I actually really like the very opening. I think it's shot pretty well. It, it's it looks like a pretty cool. You know, you're getting into a pretty cool like crime yeah. spy movie. Looks like it might be like yeah, maybe Prague. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's something. rainy. You know, there's some beers on hand. You're fucking trading bubblegum microfilm. And all. <laughs> it seems fun. It seems cool and spy and shit and all right. And, and there's some okay stuff, but like there's a lot that sucks. Um, I really like not all of Dragon's Lair scenes, but some of them were like really interestingly lit and cool shots, and, and I like that good composition. I would say, we're moving on to the ratings phase, I would say this is a hate watch. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't for this show, having seen this once, I probably wouldn't have ever watched it again, and now having seen it to talk about it on the show, I don't think I'll ever really watch it again. Yeah. It's not good enough to rewatch. It's not really good enough to put on in the back. Like, we did the Octagon, which is similarly overcomplicated and dumb, but I feel like you could put the Octagon on at a party and just kind of have fun with it in the background. This is nothing. There's a lot of rock climbing. It's not interesting visually. There's some nice photography, but like, fuck it. There's other movies that have as good photography that are interesting. You could put on any Planet God, Earth. Yeah. You could put on Planet Earth. You could put on literally any motherfucking John Ford movie and get amazing desert vistas of that caliber. You can put on fucking Cliffhanger and get goddamn mountain ranges. And yeah. I was going to say uh, Tarsum Singh. Anything by yeah. him. Oh, fuck. I'm, gonna... that's, that's leaping. I'm just talking about just well-filmed nature. So okay. I'm saying is fucking it's madness. It's wonderful, like dreamlike imagery. Yeah, but I'm saying like There's a lot, a lot, of, other a lot of his movies just have like stuff that's like beautiful to look at. And yeah, then, yeah. What do you think of the film? Hate Watch or Great Watch? Oh, Hate Watch. Um, I forgot how off color a lot of yeah his I mean, jokes are. Um, well, well, if if they I think, were jokes, I think calling like, them jokes is a little yeah. Much. That's I don't I, even it, know, man. It depends oh. on what the intent was, and I I mean I'm gonna say like I'm gonna bright side it and say I want to believe it was written to be some kind of a critique of something there's a like weighing out that you kind of have to do whether or not there's enough value to a movie versus how you know and so okay so i i like to argue that i don't find this movie blatantly offensive because i think it's too stupid to be offensive yeah 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 but at the same time, that doesn't make it a good movie no. because it's too stupid to be a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Even if it didn't have, like, the only reason, the only thing worth talking about in this is just how crazily blunt the bigotry is in it yeah. and how out of left field it comes. Because, again, it's not a movie about race or sexual politics or, or anything. Or even international politics. No, no. It's about, you know, no, it's a dumb Bond parody. It's a shitty spy movie. It's like a million spy movies. But they just threw this shit in the middle and it's very weird yeah um, also it has to do with intent to be fair in most of like the bond movies if that, something like that would have happened it would be the villain doing well, it in a lot of other movies it's not so focused upon or spotlighted yeah yeah it's yeah. a lot more incidental and yeah, again this... I, like i said i think intent matters and with this the intent is just kind of to be outlandish yeah and it fucking it goes over like a lead balloon yeah i mean the only thing that we found even remotely entertaining was the i of him uh, of uh, that miles yelling his dog's name in the desert because it's insane and they cut that out because yeah. that was apparently too much that was a, that was a bridge that, too far yeah but all the rest of that stuff is totally yeah. fine man yeah, that is just 
like the amount of just offhanded casual racism. And it just seemed like for no reason. Yeah, it's not casual or And it's also, so the other thing too is this movie's incredibly sexist and yet the sexism is not nearly as shocking as the racism. No, and I mean that probably says something about, you know, the world we live in as well. Yeah, I mean I think it's it's And also, also the sexism is more ingrained in Bond. Yes. Well, also, so that actually fits more as like being a pastiche, where like you but can it's not have presented a pair- as pastiche. It's just there. I, it's it's I presented as a genre. I know, but yeah, but so you know, you can more readily have a female character named Miss Buns, and you can slap girls around and have free range titties. I think and that's- Buns, yes, titties, maybe the ass slapping. I think is probably a bridge too far, even for Bond. Yeah, but in the seventies, not so much. Yeah, no. I mean, as far as the seventies go, the sexism was almost on par yeah yeah yeah, therefore it doesn't work as a parody or a pastiche. Mm-hmm. Analytically right. speaking, you have one of two quote-unquote love interests that is entirely mute throughout this yes. film. Like, yeah. god damn it, that's, guys. That's yeah. just... Seriously. And for nothing. No! It doesn't do a damn thing! And, it, and again, It like, just gives that weird scene where he's talking for the both of them, yeah, and it's... The only way I can get it up when I'm not looking at my stolen art. But also, so... This mute uh, Native American woman who he sleeps with, and then he you find out that it's his best friend's daughter. A little icky, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just she's a thing. She is a yeah, yeah. and then she is not mentioned at all. She oh, is yeah. she is she is completely absent from the rest of the movie. Yeah, I mean, like when she has the needle and she gives him the injection, I kind of had this like, oh, is she a spy who's been working for whatever. But then it's immediately just like, no, no, no. Yeah, she got talked into it by smooth talking Miles with his brocade suit. <laughs> And, yeah, it's just like, yeah, she's nothing. She's a sex object. Yep. Yeah, no, this is a hate watch. Skip it. Yeah. My recommendation for this is Dr. Goldfoot and his bikini machine (laughs) is a great watch. (laughs) That's my two cents. Also, also sexist, but it's a fun 60s sexist. Yeah, it's a swinging sexist. Yeah. That being said, uh, Bikini Machine is the better Dr. Goldfoot. Um, it should be obvious that the Iger Sanction is awful. Yeah. There, I, this, this Blu-ray set I got is four movies, uh, so I hope the other three are good. But if you want to uh, just watch an hour of Clint Eastwood climbing a mountain, uh, just fast forward an hour into the movie. Listen, man. Yeah. Tom Cruise does his own stunts, and he's climbing a fucking mountain in at least the second Mission Impossible. Just fucking watch that. No, uh, thank you. Cliffhanger, then. There you go. It's got yeah. John Lithgow. That's the, what? the reason why I kept on thinking about John Lithgow the entire time we're watching this movie is if I'm going to watch a shitty movie about climbing rocks, I could be watching Cliffhanger. Yeah. And at least John yeah. Lithgow is awesome. It's John, it's John Lithgow and <laughs> Sylvester good, Stallone. Good point. Good point. Know, <laughs> good point. Climb every mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot Cliffhanger was a musical. I love it. Five stars. Oh, uh, <laughs> thank you, John Lithgow. Thank you. I like this as an idea, like that we offer some suggestions for other films. And that's good. I think it's a good idea. I think we should do that in the future. I think this is the first film we've universally panned, all the to co-hosts and the guests. So, I mean, yeah, we covered both bases. You yeah. want mountain climbing, cliffhanger. You want a farce, Dr. Yeah. Goldfinger. Yeah, no, we, we, covered, <laughs> we covered a lot here. This is good. It's got, uh, what's it, Frankie Valley in it? You got some singing, too. Cliffhanger? No. I know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Frankie and Annette. <laughs> They're up on top of the mountain. <laughs> we gotta save them. <laughs> 
they used to beach life, then I can't survive up there. <laughs> That's a movie I want now. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone rescues Frankie and Annette from a mountain because they're, they're wearing fucking they're wearing bikinis and they're just dancing the entire. They're oh. dancing and fucking slowly freezing to death. I hope somebody comes to find us. Annette, we better keep dancing or we're gonna die. All right. All right. So, this has been yet another installment of Hate Watch, Great Watch. Live from the Yellow Kitchen Studios. Quite. If you want to get at us, you can email us at writehwgw at gmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HWGW Podcast. Um, you can turn this off now. Otherwise, I'm going to talk a little bit about the person that died on this film and some other injuries that happened, because like we mentioned before, the climbing in this was real. So for those of you turning it off now, thanks for listening. I'm Hunter Bush. I'm Allison. Uh, I'm uh, Will Congleton. Bye. Bye. Hi. Hi. It's Allison. And Hunter. Breaking in. To inform you that we will have new episodes every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday. That's every other Wednesday. Wednesday. Find us on iTunes or moviejohn.com under podcast. Bye. Bye. For those of you who stayed, hi. Welcome to another, uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is back matter. It's, yeah. It's, you know, a little extra information. This is going to be a lot less oh. sad than the last time we did it, but it's still pretty bad because yeah, I mean, we're still talking about a death. It's just not as... This is a human being that died making an entertainment for other people. Yeah. Which is, you know, inherently, like, a little bit tragic. But, like, this is an adult who made choices to take a dangerous job. Yes. And, you know, probably knew, at least had an idea that this was dangerous and this is what they were getting into. Yeah, well, and, I mean, actually, yeah, like, apparently after this happened, uh, they had a, a wake, and then uh, Clint Eastwood was talking about suspending the film, and the other climbers were saying no, because this is something that mountain climbers kind of deal with as, like, a real possibility when they're doing dangerous climbs. Right. They did actual on-location shooting on the Eiger on the north side. The north side has the nickname Mordvand, which means murder wall. Fuck. <laughs> Because it is treacherous. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, yeah. They were filming, um, and I think they did the most dangerous parts within, like, the first couple of days. Mike Hoover was the main, like, climbing advisor. Towards the end of, like, this day of shooting, he realized that they were missing certain shots from, like, the perspective of the climbers. Uh, so Mike Hoover and David Knowles were getting shots of, like... Additional footage. Yeah, from the climbers' perspective, looking up the mountain or something like that. And there was a rock slide and a rock hit David Knowles, who was, uh, he was 26 and he was from England. He was an experienced climber, but... Yeah, yeah. that's not going to yeah. prepare you for... Yeah. You an get, active guy, yeah, basically. You, you get hit by a big rock, you get hit by a big rock. Um, so he was killed, and Hoover was severely injured. He had a fractured pelvis, and <sighs> yeah. In a separate incident, there was another cameraman, Frank Stanley, who fell, and it just says that he was wheelchair-bound. It doesn't specify the extent of his injuries. Okay. But so, like, a lot of this climbing was real. And that's the thing, too, is when you're looking at these climbing scenes, you just see, like, the four guys on the mountain. Yeah. But they had an entire crew of climbers and of camera people so like you're only seeing four guys but really it's a whole host of guys yeah, just sure. dangling off the side of this mountain yeah it's crazy. 
Also, a couple of people weren't necessarily pleased with like Clint Eastwood as a director, wanting to do all these stunts himself, being kind of impatient with getting some of these shots. I'm not trying to imply that he was negligent in any way, but at the same time, he was apparently kind of frustrating to work with. And this was a very dangerous shoot because they were actually pretty decently high on these rock faces. I actually was thinking when, this isn't the mountain range, but uh, in the desert, Yes. when he and Ben are up on top of that pillar and there's a shot where it's the two of them and there's clearly like, you know, the cameraman up there with the camera filming. I was just like, you know, I wondered if they shot that in that actual location or not. So I can't remember where I read it, but I believe that pillar is called Totem Pole or something like that. Okay. And apparently it's fairly popular. And so they actually asked the people, you know, running mountain climbing out of there to remove some of the other uh, anchors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pitons. And so they they asked for some of them to be removed so that the shots of this would look more pristine to kind of make it look less commonly thing. But apparently it's like really well traversed. No, no, I just think it's it looked kind of cramped with George Kennedy, Clint Eastwood, and a cameraman up there. And I was, you know, this footage of like the two of them talking. I was like, imagine being that cameraman and having to be like, all right. I literally cannot back up any more than where I'm standing. So yeah, because the only Clint sh- better sit the fuck down. The like, only shots were like right over their shoulder. Yeah, or helicopter shots. Yeah, helicopter <laughs> shots. Yeah, from far away. Because I was just like, yeah, you can't get like any coverage shots because you will fall. <laughs> but yeah, just thinking about like being that cameraman because like that's a job that like it's just a job, you know. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. All right. All right. Well, for those who've been sticking with us. Thanks for sticking with us. Hope you enjoyed Hope the you postscript. Yeah, the little little extra bits. It's a little morbid, but it happens. Let's talk about it, so we did. Yeah, alright. From the Yellow Kitchen. Goodbye. Bye. And adieu to your fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. Oh god, the shark is here! I can't resist a fireside sing-along. It's Cody Swift. Like in the fucking shark from uh, the Super Bowl shark costume. Left shark. Oh, left shark. We hardly knew ye. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that's still relevant. <laughs> it's not relevant. It wasn't relevant two days after it happened. <laughs> it was relevant on that Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and it was relevant on Monday because on Monday Night Raw, oh, no. was somebody also- came out dressed as Left Shark and it got a huge round of applause. No, I'm pretty sure that was yeah, Left Shark. No, was also relevant that Halloween because there were definitely costumes for that. Yeah, I don't even think it was relevant then. Yeah, that's true. Everybody was like, I'm Left Shark, and everybody else went, eh, Who? Who? <laughs> oh, Left Shark. Somewhere that guy's like, he woke up out of a fucking sound sleep. Yeah. Dude. <gasps> 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 I saw he mentioned Love Shark. <laughs> <laughs>